Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on Powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at Powerslam.tv. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Hello, this is Zack Sabre Jr., New Japan Cup winner 2018. And you are listening to Keeping It Strong Style with my mates. Enjoy. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, keeping it strong style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, keeping it strong style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get-go, boy Yeah, from Tampa Bay to the Tokyo Dome This is Keeping It Strong Style With your hosts, Jeremy Donovan And the young boy, Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style The ace of podcasts On the Social Suplex Podcast Network Jeremy Donovan here With the young boy, Josh Smith on today's show, we'll be reviewing nights 15 through 19 of the G1 Climax, answering your questions, and covering all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing to the Social Suplex Podcast Network on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts and columns over at socialsuplex.com. This episode of Keeping a Strong Style is brought to you by Power Slam TV. Power Slam TV is an independent wrestling streaming service with over 5,000 hours of wrestling from companies across the world. Use the promo code Social Suplex to get your first month free of that service. Also, make sure you check out our Pro Wrestling Tea store, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Social Suplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong Style t-shirt as well as other t-shirts here from the network. All right, we're here. We're, we did it. G1 Climax 29 in the books. I don't know how we did this. <laughs> <laughs> like, I literally, I don't know how we did this. I don't know how you, the listeners, did this. How the fuck did Gato do this? <laughs> oh, my God. Gato booked it even. He didn't know how he did this. This is crazy. Yeah, man. This was just another uh, incredible tournament. 
Uh, I mean, so many great matches, so many great stories. Um, just yeah, man. Like I'm yeah, I'm 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 excited, but I'm also like overwhelmed because we've got how many nights right now? Five. Yeah, we got yeah we got fifteen through nineteen. <laughs> 15, so 16, okay, so we got four nights to cover, and I'm like, where do we start? How do we do this? Like, yeah. like we haven't been doing this for like almost two years now. <laughs> yeah, like we're new or something. Yeah, we're gonna kind of um, nights 15 through 18. We're gonna kind of we're not gonna give like a full in depth, you know, move for move, blow by bow. We're gonna kind of give quick thoughts on those matches, and then we'll spend the majority of the time talking about uh, night 19, the finals of the show, and that's what you guys have. Came here for that's why you hit download. You want to hear that's not what they came here for. <laughs> what they come here for? I don't have a bit. I, <laughs> I thought you, <laughs> I, I thought I had a bit, but I don't have a bit. Um, <laughs> that's what they're here for is the bits. One thing before we get started, I wanted to mention this because I know I forgot to put it in the rundown. Oh, god, our, our man Ricky from the Ricky and Clive wrestling show hit me up today. Um, he said, uh, he, he hit me up, he said, thank you for playing a part in me watching a G1. It was a slog at times, but only because of time. The wrestling was awesome. So many great, great matches. He's like, when you record, I'd like you to relay this message on the podcast. So you and Josh get props for making a diehard WWE fan watch the NJPW product and become a fan of it. Wow. Wow. That's the proudest moment of my entire podcasting <laughs> career. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> Do you remember on that episode of of The Office, like the first episode? He's like, he's like, my most, he's like, my proudest moment wasn't when I cut profit margins. No, no, no. He's like, it was a young Guatemalan man who said to me, <laughs> "Mr. Scott, will you be the godfather to my child?" He's like, wow, wow. We had to cut him though. He sucked. <laughs> <laughs> So that was my uh, segue to let you know, Ricky, you have to get the F-O-H, F out of here. We're serving you your papers. Good luck in your future endeavors. See ya. You've been sidelined. Oh, man. We, we can't get rid of Ricky. We're, it's the Clive show now. He does all those episodes by himself. <laughs> yeah, we have had a couple solo Clive shows. Oh. And I haven't talked to Ricky one of these weeks. We are going to get him on here uh, to review a show. Um, I would say Royal Quest, but I know he'll probably be watching uh, Takeover um, Cardiff to see his man Joe Coffey. I was going to say, where's Joe Coffey going to be wrestling? That's what, what he'll uh, be watching. Yeah, so he'll be probably watching Takeover first, but maybe we can get him to get on that Royal Quest um, at some point. Here, Okay, before we move on, I think we should both say one nice thing about Ricky. What's your favorite thing about Ricky right now? Dude, he, he's the best looking man on, on the network. My favorite thing is that he eats buffalo chicken wings with a fork and knife. <laughs> Yo, when I saw that picture, all I was thinking about was like, you know, like a, a vignette of like a rich, like uppity, like heel wrestler, like you know, something like, EC, like MJF, MJF or EC3 or like Richard Holiday, like these like fancy, like uptight, like wrestlers looking all clean, you know, fresh, good looking, you know, cutting the wings with the fork and the knife, don't want to get the fit messed up. Man, modern day William Regal. Although I am still the best looking man on the network, you guys are crazy. Yeah, we need to have a, a poll. We need to have a vote and see what the listeners think between you, Ricky, and Tom. Yeah, but I have to take better photos. I don't have any good photos. R- Ricky be out here styling, profiling. I don't do all that. <laughs> so yeah, we'll get all three of you guys in the suits, and uh, we'll see. You. I put I put my work down in the streets. If you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. 
I don't know where, how to follow up on that. So let, let's you go. can't you can't follow that. <laughs> so let's get started. Um, so we're gonna start with A block first. Talk about nights fifteen and seventeen. So as we know, our A block winner Kota Abushi on top of the block. So on night fifteen, Kota Abushi defeated Zack Saber Jr. at uh, fifteen minutes and fifty seconds. Uh, really enjoyed this match. I, I love the chemistry between Ibushi and Saber. I think these guys always work well together. It's another one of those cases, and um, just thought it was another great uh, match between these two. You know, Saber working on Ibushi's ankle, and um, eventually Ibushi having to fight back. Yeah, I was gonna say like you liked a Saber and Ibushi uh, match. That's a shocker. <laughs> <laughs> like, when do these guys not deliver? Uh, they definitely delivered here. Uh, wasn't their best match that they've ever had, but right. at 15 minutes, this was a fitting, you know, addition to their long series of matches. Um, obviously, they had like that banger earlier this year that still might be a, like a low key match of the year contender. A lot of people kind of forgot about, but yeah, this match was great, and um, I've really enjoyed that aspect of the story that you mentioned that everyone has continued to go after Bushi's ankle all throughout the tournament, uh, which that's. You know, been a big deal, especially going into the finals. Yeah, and, you know, Saber did you know work submission game, but the downfall that we've been seeing in Saber matches, he tries, he gets too cocky and tries to play the striking game with people he shouldn't be playing striking games with, and um, you know, could not outstrike the Golden Star. So Abushi picked up a win there. He wanted uh, the smoke, but he had to choke. <laughs> uh, I went uh, four stars flat on that one. Uh, then on night 17, Kota Ibushi defeated the IWGP champion, Kazuchika Okada, in the A-block final, the match to determine who was going to go on to the finals. Yeah, so this is a great place to start. What what a freaking match, man. Like, literally, what an incredible, incredible match and contest. And, uh, like, okay, here's the crazy thing. We're talking about the A-block finals. Last year, Kota Ibushi, B-Block Finals against uh, Kenny Omega, and we left that match, which was probably easily like a a five-star match, and we left it being like, kind of felt like they left something on the table, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, because they they were, you know, basically prepping for another big match down the line, and that's kind of what Ibushi and Okada felt like to me here. Yes, I definitely felt they left, like, I didn't feel like they went all out, I feel like there is a better match in them. Of course, I went four seven five on this thing, but you know I still think there is the potential for a five star, or uh, if you believe in the above five, I think they could break the scale. Uh, but it was an, an amazing match, great spots. I mean, um, Abushi reversing the the drop kick into the power bomb. Um, Abushi- that that really popped me when I saw that. I was like, okay, that's some Tiger Mask W crap right there. <laughs> Um, Okada reversing. I think Abushi was going for the uh, Bomaye running in, and then Okada out of nowhere hits a big drop kick. Yeah, and Okada reversed the uh, top rope Tiger uh, Tiger Bomb or Tiger Driver, um, which was something that that Tiger Mask W slash Kota Abushi landed on their match. You know, uh, at the anniversary show a couple years ago. So a lot of callbacks to that. Um, this obviously. Before before we move on, I want to bring this up. This is such has been such a protected match. Like Abushi and Okada in their actual, you know, proper characters. 
I don't think they've interacted in like three years. If I'm correct on that, like it, it had to have been like a G1 was the last time they had a, a proper singles match. So they've been like holding off, holding off and protecting it. And um, were you surprised to see them pay it off here, like in the A block finals? I was surprised. You know, you know, some people are like, you know, you know, the G1 or New Japan booking can be so predictable sometimes because Gato does follow certain patterns. You but would think. With this tournament, <laughs> bro, he's thrown the patterns out the window. You know, we've been saying on the show, on our preview, we said, you know, normally the winner of the G1 does not come out the same block as the champion. So, in my mind, I was not I was not expecting anyone from A block to win this thing. I was like, the winner is coming from B block, regardless of who it is. Obviously, we were, we were you know, predicting Naito, but I thought the winner was coming from the B block. So, here, not only do they give away this Ibushi Okada match, they, um, here in this A block... It's going to happen again at Wrestle Kingdom. Obviously, we're going to talk about the finals. So it was. I was surprised that this match, they were in the same block, plus Abushi ended up winning. Now, originally, I did have a criticism. My criticism going into this match was that Okada, coming in with 14 points, didn't really make too much sense to me at the time. Because I was like, he could have easily lost one other match to anybody I think most people kind of thought maybe uh, like a Osprey or a Zack Sabre to set up a Royal Quest title shot we'll talk about that later <laughs> and I was like you know there's no reason for him to go in with 14 points because if he came in with 12 they're tied either way it's pretty much the same scenario I was like I don't know why they didn't just have some, someone else go over on him but now it makes all the sense in the world because it boosted the win that Sonata got over him it made that a way bigger deal in the long run um, it gave Okada a really, really strong G1, especially considering the fact he was going to lose to Ibushi here on the final night, which I think we both felt like that was going to happen. As the tournament went on, I started to question that because it started to look like maybe this is the year Okada does it, but no, not not really. But um, And ultimately, like we'll talk about Royal Quest, but the way that this is all played out, I couldn't be more thrilled or happy with the actual outlay of the booking on that side and it, it, it's it's really great here the only questionable thing so you already mentioned Kotobushi wins the a block we pretty much you know do we want to talk about the fact that who, who the winner of the g1 was do we want to talk about that yet or no well i mean by now okay, everybody right. knows that Kotobushi won the g1 yeah so Kotobushi won the G1. We saw him beat the IWGP champion here in the A block. That's such a monkey wrench in the fact that, A, they almost never have the winner of the tournament come out of the same block as the champion, especially if they beat the champion. Right. And, uh, two, they usually don't give away the Wrestle Kingdom main event in the same, uh, you know, as a match that already took place the previous calendar year. Now, there's a lot of time between now and January 4th Tokyo Dome, but it seems like... That's, this that's, is what they need to do. Right. And, you know, I believe the last time that a G1 winner beat a champion in a block was 2014, where Okada beat the current champion, AJ Styles, to win the G1. Uh, but then AJ, AJ dropped the belt. He lost the belt before the Dome, so that was not the Dome, ma- the dome match. So there always the potential of, they, of uh, Okada dropping the belt. I mean, I highly My doubt God, that. Okada... I, I can't see that. Yeah. It's a very big difference between AJ Styles, who was always seen as somewhat of a transitional heel champion, very much in the same light. Like, I think he was seen very much in the same light to 
not exactly, but a comparison would be Jay White's title reign. You know, a transitional guy. Like, he was not the main guy. Mm -hmm. Uh that's not at all the same thing as Okada right now. Like th- that would be crazy to me. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, this was a phenomenal match. Um, there was one spot where it looked like Okada was going for the one wing angel. Uh, I, I saw that. I thought he was going for it too. I think he was, but Obushi blocked it. Yeah, and I don't think they played it up enough for anyone in the crowd to like really. Right. It was real quick, real subtle. Like you, ha- you had to really be like looking like what's. Okada doing here. You know, I hear my dog Kenny was in Japan. He was huh. watching the Stardom show. So yeah. Huh huh. But yeah, this match freaking rocked. Like this, this blew me away. Kota Bushi and Okada, like, sign me up, man. Sign me up. And um, we're gonna talk about it in the news. But like, this match really drew. Yeah. This match really drew on an A block night that traditionally doesn't draw near the numbers that that they drew. So yeah, this is a big deal. Yeah. So, our next guy on the list is Kazuchika Okada. Um, on night 15, Okada defeated Evil. 27 minutes, 8 seconds. Uh, this match was good. Uh, I didn't love it. Um, I was surprised that it went 27 minutes. You know, uh, it reminded me of what had just happened a few nights prior when he fought Sonata. And, you know, it was a very similar story in the fact that they went so long. So, I was kind of surprised by that. But um, all in all, this Evil has had a very, very good tournament. And I've said on the show many times, I'm not a big Evil fan. But, like, remember, I think last year I was like, he was just there. Yeah. Just kind of taking up space. No, man. Evil evil really showed up to play. Yeah, I think Evil, he, he's had, um, I hate to say low-key. I'm only saying low-key because I, I don't see a lot of people, at least in my circle of influence, talking about Evil. Um, you know, people are... We're talking about your archers and your Ishii's and your Shingo's and your... Well, they all had better tournaments than him, in all fairness. I, they did, but still, I still feel like, for like you mentioned, like last year, compared to last year, he had a much better tournament, and I feel like he delivered in a lot of the matches he was in. Yeah, in some ways it reminds me of, like, last year, Zach or Sonata. Both of those guys were in that B block, and so you didn't hear a lot, too much about how great of tournaments they had, even though they did. They just happened to be in blocks that... Like freaking rocked, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's what evil situation was. But dude, he stepped it up. He didn't look like a fish out of water. He didn't look like he didn't belong there. He wasn't a guy who was, you know, throwing nights away. Like he came to play, and like, yeah, look at the adjective play. play. <laughs> yeah, I went uh, four stars flat on that one. Um, yeah, Okada sent that man packing with the rainmaker, which made the Okada Bushi match um, the finals. Um, the only two people alive, so obviously. On night 17, we, re- we already talked about Kota Ibushi defeating Kazuchika Okada. One last thing on that. So, obviously, Ibushi came in with 12 points. Okada came in with 14. The only way Ibushi, you know, continues on is if he gets a win and he gets the tiebreaker. Um, were you surprised that when it went 25 minutes plus that they really never played up the fact that they were so close to the time limit? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Because, honestly, that was kind of one of the things that probably stopped me from going the full five. I felt like... There was a lot more drama that could have been played up with the fact that Ibushi had to get a pinfall or submission to advance to the finals. I really feel like they could have teased that a little bit more, especially since there's been no draws. I mean, this, this Okada-Sanada match has been the one match that has been, like, the closest to a draw. I felt like it could enhance the drama of that match if they had went closer to 30. And, you know, while we're on the subject of match length, I haven't looked at any statistics, but I've got to imagine... Given how many long main events he had, 
Okada's kind of got to be like the Iron Man of this tournament, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and you know, um, listener of the show, Chris Samsa, you've heard Kevin Kelly mention his name the last few nights. Um, he has done a tremendous job of getting some statistics on match length and time and all kind of great stats. Check him out. He's now uh, writing for Voices of Wrestling. He has some great stuff on there. I believe his site is uh, G1 Scorebox. Dot com. So give him a follow. Check his site out with some of the great statistics. Yeah, I saw him tweet us say that we do good work too. Yeah, I've been listening to I, the show. I was like, what? You listen to us? That's crazy. <laughs> but here's what I want to know. If Chris is so if, is giving them such good statistics and such good math, then why did Rocky and Kevin Kelly keep screwing up the math on the air night after night after well, night? He, he didn't. I don't, think, <laughs> I don't think he gave them like the the points and the scenarios. He's more. He's more focusing like on the statistics of match length and. All right. Well, then I won't hold like it that. against him. I'm <laughs> just gonna blame. I'm gonna blame. I'm gonna blame Kevin. Uh, but yeah. So yeah, a lot of great stuff from Chris uh, on great work covering the G1. And then night 17, we had Lance Archer defeating Evil at 9 minutes and 50 seconds via pinfall, which uh, I actually really dug this match quite a bit, actually. Yeah, I really enjoyed this match, too. Uh, I mean, you got kind of like two hosses going out here, and Lance Archer just... We've been saying it week after week. This man's been on the next level, ding, doing a moonsault from the apron. Bro, oh, yeah, that was awesome. Bro, I loved... There's a lot that... I'm trying to remember everything because we watched so much wrestling, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, he looked like he was on Zipwire, and <laughs> he looked like he was in a kung fu movie, like, like, like or a stuntman. Like, he didn't, like, even project himself out. He just, like, literally flipped in place. Like, it was pretty incredible. Um, yeah, Archer matches just freaking rule, and this was one of my favorite evil matches of the whole tournament. Yeah, he had a big uh, choke slam on evil, hit the F5 on evil, just busting out all these maneuvers... And then he uh, got the EBD claw out. And pinned this man. Yeah. And shout out for Evil for selling, too. He sold that EBD claw like Archer was sucking the soul out of his body. The funny thing about it was, like, you know, you hear about guys that kick out at, like, you know, after three or right at three. And they kind of, like, undermine the the opponent's win or whatever. Try to, you know, keep their heat while they're doing it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, Evil was, like, the reverse of that. Evil was pinned and was trying to kick out. His legs were flailing yeah. as hard as he could. But he literally, like, but the upper half of his body just stayed put. And I was like, my God, this claw. <laughs> I wasn't even over on this claw. But now I'm like. Dude, Archer got the claw over. Uh, you know, being the uh, anime nerd that I am, I kind of envisioned uh, Cell, like, sucking up, like, androids, like, 17 and yes! 18 through his tail and, like, them, like, trying to fight to get out, but they couldn't. <laughs> Yo, on that subject, I think that's, like, one of the most disturbing and sad, like, moments of DBZ for me as a kid. I was like, wait, what the... F-? Like, it, like, made me deal with my mortality way before I was ready to. <laughs> Can't believe you brought that up on the show. <laughs> so, next up, we had Will Osprey on night 15, Will Osprey defeated Kenta 16 minutes and 30 seconds. Well, you know what they say, Kenta's washed and this match was, this match was trash and uh, the Kenta experiment's a failure and we need to move on. <laughs> right? That's what yeah, they've been saying, right? I think that's what the uh, New Japan uh, you know, home base, the Japanese fans have been saying. Oh, I got a theory on that. Uh, calling this man uh, Noah Trash. I got a theory on that. You want to talk about it now or for, yeah. the, for the angle? Yeah, I want to talk about it now. Go for it. I think it's fake. Mm. You ever hear about those Russian bots? Yeah, the uh, there's like Russian bots with like click farms. Uh, like you pay 
Yeah. Like you think you're doing, you're paying like an ad, but they're like paying people to actually like click on your ads and stuff. All sorts of stuff, or like they'll 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 create like Facebook groups and get you into these groups, and you right. think you think you're part of one group, but really it's it's Russian bots, and you know they're like stealing your identity, or they're like trying to cause conflict and sway sway majority like opinion. And the, I think that that's what this is, but I think it's Harold Mai. I think Harold Mai and company knew that they were going to try to turn Kenta. So all these quote-unquote Japanese hardcore fan base tweets, they're just Japanese bots, bro. It's New Japan bots. They set this crap up. This is So, so what th- about the crowd reactions? They got worked. We're getting worked. They're getting worked. Mm. New Japan, bro, this is the new level of work. This is the new <laughs> level of work. You want to talk about the reality era? This is the reality. We're, the cyber- We're in the cyber work, bro. Yeah, bro. They, they, they worked us. Uh, they prepped this shit. <laughs> But this was a great match. I love this match. I knew from their interactions in the, the tag match the night before. The night before, yeah. This was going to be fire. And these guys just had a phenomenal matchup. A very hard-hitting, fast-paced matchup. Um, probably uh, one of Kenta's best performances in the tournament. I know a lot of people want to put all the praise on Osprey in this match. But I felt like Kenta did his fair share here. Yeah, this match ruled. Osprey ruled. Kenta rules. I was a little higher in the match than you. I think you went about four stars, right? I went four and a quarter, actually. I, I forgot to put the quarter down on my notes. Uh, okay, yeah. I was going to say, I, I was almost at like four and a half. Somewhere in between, like four and three, four and a third. Yeah, you, you know, <laughs> the one thing that kind of stopped me from going a little bit higher, there was a, a few kind of botches and a little bit of sloppiness. Of, well, that's that's what people were jumping onto and saying, yeah. you know, they were they were criticizing Kenta for some, some botches. And I'm like, yeah, you guys got to get over that. Right, and it was fine. I'm not like... Trying to blast them because they had botches, but maybe I would have gone a little bit higher if it was a little bit smoother. But Kenta recovered greatly after you know slipping from the ropes, fall right up on the attack. I, I thought it was fine. Yeah, this was great. I was a little surprised at this point to see Ken, uh, Will get the win over Kenta, especially how dominant Kenta was in the early goings of the tournament. But uh, you know they kind of got to even things out, make people you know get, do a little bit of parody. And uh, this was a big win for Osprey, uh, and this was a great match. Yep. Uh, and then our night 17. Banger alert. Yes. Will Ospreay defeated the ace, Hiroshi Tanahashi, 17 minutes and 10 seconds. All right. So I was super into this match and super emotional. And I got to tell you, I was not ready to see Hiroshi Tanahashi lose in Budokan to Will Ospreay. But he did. And I accept it. And it was a hell of a ride. Yeah, I mean, this is, you know, one of Osprey's. This has to be his biggest win of his career, biggest win of the tournament. Biggest match. Yeah. And, you know, they worked this like a uh, big style, like New Japan main event. Yeah, this is the main event house style. Yeah, Tanahashi worked very smart, you know. He knows that Osprey's faster. He's a high flyer. He's younger. So, you know, uh, Tanahashi was working on the leg. Several... Um, Dragon Screw variations, you know, the Texas Cloverleaf, uh, you know, the, the uh, Dragon Screw in the ropes, the inverted, trying to slow down Osprey uh, to get the advantage. Well, you know, the thing here is Tanahashi went into this night with four wins, four losses. If he were to lose this match, then that would mean it'd be the first year since, like, I don't know, 2009, I'm guessing, mm-hmm. that he was less than 500 in a G1 um, you know, I don't think since 2010 he's not been in the figuring for the top, like, at least, you know, two spots in a block or something of that nature. 
So this was a shock to many people. I'm sure it busted a lot of brackets. And, you know, the continuing story was the thing that we always talk about, Tanahashi's body breaking down, his age catching up with him, him slowing down, and him trying to put the pieces together, like the puzzle pieces to figure out how to be the ace still. And last year he was able to figure it out, but we're a year separated. He was unable to do that. And here he tried to ground a faster, younger, more athletic and agile foe. And Osprey just took it to Tanahashi. And yeah, Tanahashi did everything in his power to ground him, but age caught up with him. He could not keep up with with Osprey's athleticism. And this was a fantastic story. Yeah, and uh, Tanahashi did have some great uh, counters in here. Um, there was one uh, spot in the match where he countered the Oz Cutter into a Sling Blade, and another spot where he countered the Stormbreaker into a Sling Blade. Yeah, I really, I really liked that stuff. I mean, the only criticism, and you know what my criticism is going to be? What? Uh, that this man Will Osprey ha- has very selective selling when it comes uh, with, to with the leg. And you know what? It's not that he does he doesn't sell because in these matches, especially with limb matches where his leg is hurt. He will sell it, but it's very selective. Like sometimes he'll choose to sell it. A lot of times what he's doing is like he'll he's executing his moves and then selling the leg on impact, which is great. I like that. But very rarely is he modifying any of the maneuvers in any kind of capacity to show the fact that he's selling. I don't think you have to do it all the time, but I mean if the whole logic and idea behind it is – that you're taking an opponent's legs away and then it never really actually plays in the story. Yeah, right. It's it's a little uh I don't know what the word is. It just kinda take it detracts just slightly. Just right. slightly. Ultimately it's still a fantastic match. Yeah, I won uh four and a half on this one. I, I yeah, I would I'm right there. I, I agree. So then we move on to Kenta. Uh we just talked about night fifteen, uh the match with Will Ospreay. Then on night seventeen he faced Zack Sabre Jr. and was defeated by submission. I loved this match. I loved this matchup. Zack Sabre Jr. and Kenta signed me up all day. This was one of my favorite strong style matches of the year. Kenta was vicious. Zack was vicious, but in completely different ways. Uh, Yeah, this match was awesome. Yeah, this was a great match. And again, we kind of saw that um, what I was talking about earlier with Sabre trying to outstrike a striker and Kenta with those nasty overhand uh, slaps and chops to the face was killing Osprey, <clears throat> but um, Osprey was able to, you know, out wrestle Kenta and use his submission holes and work on that um, surgically repaired arm, that shoulder. You know, you see that big scar in the shooter sleeve that um, Kenta wears, and that was the target of Saber's attack. And uh, he was finally able to uh, get him in the middle of the ring. And uh, put Kenta away with that submission. My one question with this match, okay? So Kenta had a very strong early half of the tournament, obviously. Mm-hmm. Still still finished very strong. Um, Zack Sabre, on the other hand, um, was a guy who was eliminated super early. And then it kind of seemed like you thought maybe his role would be to play spoiler. Yeah. Both these guys ended up getting eliminated due to various circumstances. So that whole scenario never really – we were wrong on that. Never ended up playing out. What did you think Zach's trajectory even was at the second half of this tournament? Like, what was his whole purpose? And were you surprised that neither of these guys were in play towards the end? I was. I mean, you know, they 
I mean, Saber's a guy who's been doing so well in tournaments the last couple of years, and he had a good G1 last year. I think he had like 10 or 12 points. Yeah. Um, and then Kenta is coming in, they're pushing him strong. So initially, like when I was like, you know, booking out my bracket and predictions, I was thinking, oh, well, one of these two guys are going to spoil each other. Uh, they're both going to still be alive, or one of them is going to be alive, and the other one's going to spoil them. So I went with, you know, Saber being the guy that's going to spoil Kenta. And by Saber beating Kenta, it would keep him from going to the finals. But by the time this night came, they were both already out. So it was, I mean, it was almost like this match was almost pointless. I mean, I guess it was for points, for pride, and rankings, but... I mean, you know, wins and losses always do matter right. in New Japan. Right. So there's that aspect. And also, it's a match that people were, were happy to see. But I was just a little surprised going into that, that B-block final night, or A-block final night, that uh, there didn't seem to be a lot of points to it. And Zach picking up the win over Kenta is a big deal. But at the same time, like, these guys both finish with eight points. They both finish, you right. know, on the, on the losing end. And um, it just seemed kind of more based on catching Zach up than anything else, really. Right. And also, I did think they, I wanted to mention they did a great job kind of telling the backstory behind uh, Saber and Kenta and talking about Saber being the Noah Dojo. And, I liked that. And learning from Kenta, and Kenta was kind of a master to him, and uh, now the student is back and better and uh, ready to beat the master. I guess that's kind of what I was trying to get at. It was like, what 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 was the backstory here? And yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a great summary. Uh, close it out. The exchanges at the very end with the submissions were fantastic. Yeah. Really good match. Yeah, good match. I went uh, four and a quarter on that one. Same. Um, next up, the ace, Hiroshi Tanahashi, on night 15. Bad Luck Fale defeated Hiroshi Tanahashi at 10 minutes and 5 seconds. So this was one of the biggest shocks of the tournament for me. Same here, bro. Not because Bad Luck Fale can't beat Hiroshi Tanahashi. I, I think he has before. I'm I'm fairly certain he has. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what Fale's role is. He's a guy that can beat pretty much anybody on any given night. But a Hiroshi Tanahashi coming in with four wins on night 15, that's surprising to me. And then not only that, the way Fale beat him is even way more shocking. So that's what – this was all – like I was like, yeah, Fale's here to, to lose to Tanahashi so Tanahashi can have a more padded record – and no, I was wrong. Yeah, same here. I think, you know, they're going to give Tanahashi another win. He's going to get double digits. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, of course, we had all the Bull Club shenanigans. Um, but towards the end, um, Fale is going for the bad luck fall. Um, but Fale uh, gets countered, but then uh, Fale gets a backslide onto Tanahashi. It's two things. Uh, this. M- do you think this was Folly's best match of the tournament? Uh, no, I think the Lance Archer match was. That's what I I, I, I agree with that. But I actually like this match. I'm looking at your rating, and I think I'm much higher on this yeah, match some, than you were. Some of my ratings, I, I didn't copy all of them over correctly on this document. I, I went two and a half on this. Okay, yeah, I was a little higher than that on this. I thought this was one of the better Bad Luck Folly matches of the tournament. Uh, with that being said... Um, you know, I was just again. I don't know. I don't know what to say. I was just really shocked. Um, this was the second time that Fale had won with, yeah, yeah, yeah because he he rolled somebody else up with Schoolboy. Who was right? Um, 
was a Kenta. Yeah, it was Kenta. Yeah, so so the night before... the Night 13. Night 13, he rolls up Kenta, and then on this night, he gets a backslide on Hiroshi Tanahashi, and I'm like, what the... What? Like, what? what is... Bro, catch Fale. The ring general. <laughs> His catch is catch acting, and it's so great. But uh, yeah, and then we already talked about Osprey and Tanahashi, but um, yeah. Yep. We're going to go through grades and all these guys uh, here in a little bit as well. But um, yeah, it's shocking. So speaking of Fale, he's the next guy to talk about. We just talked about Night 15 defeating Hiroshi Tanahashi. Then on Night 17, he defeated Cole Skull Sonata, 10 minutes and 40 seconds, with another cradle. I didn't like that decision. I did not like the match either. Um, I didn't like it because Sonata had just literally beaten Okada. Right. So that's my first issue with it. The second thing is um, I didn't think the match was very good. I think most of the good parts of the match – I've seen some people praise the match. But in all honesty, if you want to be honest, it's really uh, Jado and um, <laughs> Chase Owens. And Chase Owens interacting with Sonata that makes the tail end of that match. And then obviously the, the surprise roll-up finish is actually very entertaining. And we popped for that. It was super hilarious. Bro, I've been – Dying laughing at all these surprise Fale roll-ups and cradles. Bro, we had Shooter Yano last year. We got Catch Fale this year. Yeah. So, you know, like you mentioned, there's tons of the Bull Club interference. Uh, Sonata being a valiant Bayface fighting both Jado and Chase Off. Had both of them in the Paradise Lock at one point. Um, and then he goes to fight off Bad Luck Fale. He gets him in the skull end. And, but then Fale cradles him up yeah. for the win. I mean... You know, like I said, Fale be, can beat anybody any given night, and usually he's going to beat somebody with a bad luck fall or he's going to beat them with, you know, the grenade. Um, so I guess in one aspect you could say him rolling people up is like, uh, quote-unquote, protecting them. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. So there, maybe there's that way of looking at it, but I'm kind of like, well, if you're going to have him just beat people, have him be the monster and beat people. Right, hit a grenade, hit a bad luck fall. Don't wait to the end to rack up a few points to kind of try and protect the guy because he literally until the last few nights only had one win and um you know he ended up with three wins back to back on the last three nights which i think was kind of bullcrap a little bit yeah um but yeah i mean they were trying to protect him like it was parody booking which i'm not a huge fan of honestly yeah i mean like like we mentioned yeah the cradle stuff's been entertaining but yeah i feel like the way fall has been going i feel like they should just kept beating him honestly yeah, I mean, they'd already beaten him so many times. I mean, I guess that this is their way of restoring him. But, like, I don't know. He's the kind of guy I think you can make him look imposing and, and legit anytime. It doesn't matter how bad or how good of a tournament he has. You know what I'm saying? Right. That's my feeling on it. Yeah. So, next up, uh, the guy he rolled up, Sonata. So, on night 15, Sonata defeated Lance Archer at 10 minutes and 30 seconds. I don't remember a lot about this match, but I remember liking it a lot. Yeah, I was just thinking the same thing. I was trying to look back at uh, notes here. I have it at three and a half. Um, I know it was another good match. There wasn't really much that I remember. The one spot I do remember was just um, Sonata's incredible um, vertical leap, doing the the jumping leapfrog over Archer, his normal leapfrog spot. But, I mean, Archer's so much taller. Even with Archer ducking down, yeah. Sonata still had to jump quite a, a, ba- quite a, ba- quite a ways up to um, clear Archer. Yeah, the, the, that match was good. Sonata's just Sonata's had a fantastic tournament. Everyone, 
Everyone except for Fale in the A block has had a fantastic tournament for the most part. Yeah, and it came down to the end. Archer went for the derailer, but then uh, Sonata jumped over and crailed him up for the win. So next we have uh, Zack Sabre Jr., and we actually talked about both of his matches. Yeah, so we talked both about uh, Sabre's matches. And Lance Archer's And Lance Archer's. So we'll get to to some... um, you know, grades and reviews. Uh, we, we actually have a special grading system this year, but uh, yeah, that's going to do it for those uh, night 15, night 17. Let's move on to the B block. Yeah, so we're going to look now at night 16 and 18. Start on top of the B block, Switchblade Jay White. So on night 16, Jay Whiteo defeated Juice Robinson, 23 minutes, one second via submission, the TTO. I'm for, I forgot. He beat him with the TTO? Yes, I believe he uh, modified it to the uh, JTO for, the, for this match. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's funny. Um, yeah, 23 minutes. Um, God, why don't I remember this match? I feel like I did not love this match. Yeah, I feel like they're... Oh, actually, oh, no. Wait, I watched this match. I went uh, four stars flat on this one. I watched this match. I thought it was... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We watched this. I thought it, that was my melter. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, I thought it was good. Obviously, it didn't capture what they were able to produce at the Cow Palace last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought they played well off of that match and had quite a few callback spots to that. Actually, yeah, they did. Um, but Jay, just being the you know intelligent heel that he is, was able to capitalize on a lot of the mistakes that Juice was making in the match. Obviously, there was a lot of uh, shenanigans with uh, Gato. Which there has been the entire tournament, obviously. And, you know, it came down to that that, uh, chair that got involved towards the end. Juice was going to try and do the the pulp friction on the chair. Uh, But then White was able to counter and slam him down the chair. And then he followed up with chair shots to the knee, locked on the uh, JTO, and submitted Juice. Yeah, and I think that that is very interesting because that was like a foreshadowing of what would what was to come between him and uh, Kota Ibushi in the finals. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, pretty good match, though. Then on night 18, we had Jay White defeating Tetsuya Naito to advance to the uh, G1 finals. Shook. Yeah. I was shook, bro. I was shook. I could not believe this. Bro. And, and bro, okay. <laughs> like, the day or two before, we were sitting around and, like, every now and again, how, like, I don't know if you remember this. Every now and again, I would look at you and I'd go, is Jay White going to the finals? And then you'd be like, he could. And I'm like, no, he's not going <laughs> to. And then, like, we'd sit there and I'd be like, fuck, Jay White might be going to the finals. <laughs> Well, dude, I don't know if you remember, I, uh, you know, we're over at, um, you know, listener, friend of the show, Dan Coffin's house. We were watching uh, the NXT uh, TakeOver Toronto on Saturday. And during that show, I was like, well, we were watching um, the A Block night before TakeOver. Right. And I was like, I was like, how blown would you guys be if Jay White won tomorrow? Yeah. And, and like, nobody, an, like, really wanted to comment. There was, like, an audible <laughs> groan. Everyone was like, oh. And I think James was like, I'd be fine until he wins the whole tournament. <laughs> my god yeah so i mean well, let's start with this the match was the match was good it, it wasn't a great match mm-hmm. it was a good match between them it was probably a four star fair so i mean that's a that's a good match really that's a really good match um 
I was just I was shocked, bro. I was shocked, dude. I was shocked, like, because he's been doing that new like um, cross armed Bloody Sunday. Oh, remember I called it a Bloody Sunday at first, and everyone was like, "No, it's not that." And then they officially announced that it's the cross armed Bloody Sunday. Yeah, which is that's I like that move a lot. Yeah, actually. and so that's when the setup for the, the Blade Runner. So he hit that. I was like, bro, he beat him, bro, he beat him, and then he picked him up, hit the Blade Runner. I was like, he beat him. Bro. One, two, three. First, I was in shock. I was like, "Oh my gosh, they beat Naito!" Yeah, but then you, and then I started laughing. But then you fucking <laughs> laughed, you asshole. <laughs> I don't know. It was just I don't know. It was like hilarious to me because you I, couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, you were like shocked, and I was like dismayed. I was I was appalled. <laughs> I was so upset, bro. <laughs> Oh I'm not God. even like really a Naito fan. That's the funny thing. I think sometimes in the show I might sound like it, but it's more so because of my idea of what the booking is going to play out as, you know? Mm-hmm. But like, I'm not here. I, I mean, how often do I sit here and cop for Naito? You know what I'm saying? Right. Mm-hmm. But bro, like, here's the crazy thing. Jay White and Naito had very, very similar trajectories in this tournament where they both started off, well, Jay started off, you know, 0-3. And had to go undefeated the rest of the tournament, whereas Naito was two and one, but then lost his fourth match to uh, Moxley, I believe. Yeah. So then he was one and four, and it was like he might already be out. And then so for both of those guys, and then obviously Moxley had tiebreakers over lots of guys. So for them to end up in the finals on the final night, both of them alive, and this to be the determining match for both of them. Uh, it, it was like, which way do you go? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And to me, it seemed, I mean, I was still in the, of the belief. Well, when Ibushi won, it really gave me pause. It really gave me pause because I've, this whole time I have been thinking from day one, they're not doing Naito and Ibushi again. Mm-hmm. Like that just, there's a lot of things they will do and that just does not seem like one of them. But at the same time, I was like, well, it looks like they're doing Ibushi and Naito. Well, you know, cause I felt very strongly that they weren't going to do Ibushi Naito also. Like, so something in my gut, I was like, yes, I mean, they could still draw. They're going to give us a finals that we've seen three times this year? Right. But I was like, man, they're, they're just not going to do that. So once Ibushi won, uh, that's why I kind of threw that comment out at the party. I was like. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> how blown you guys be a JY win? Because I, I just had a feeling. I was yeah. like, they're not going to do Ibushi Naito again. Okay, so. Jay White beats Naito. We've gotten that out of the way. Do we want to have a discussion about the implications here, what this means? Yes, and uh, we have a lot of questions about this match. I put it down in the Naito section, but it's... We should uh, probably talk, talk about, about it now. It. Yeah. So, first question from Reddit user uh, JQNCG says, um, The obvious, what is next for Naito and if the IC title will be his ceiling from now on? Oh, man. Uh, I don't know what's next for Naito. Um, I don't know if the IC title is his ceiling. But I'll say this. When we first started the show, we started a few months before Wrestle Kingdom. What was that, 12? Yeah. Okay. And at the time, I had predicted accurately. I was one of the few. One of the only ones out there. I was like, Okada's going to beat Naito. Part of my rationale... At the time. And I, I, I actually don't remember my entire <laughs> rationale. I had a whole idea about why it was going to happen. Look back in the archives if you want to hear that. <laughs> yeah, yeah I have a good, there's a good rant in there. But um, 
ultimately, one of the main things was I was like, there's money in the chase. There's more, it makes more, like, it would establish Okada as a legendary champion, which it did. Mm -hmm. And then it gives Naito a story arc for a redemption. And then we waited a year, and it didn't happen. And we are like, oh, next year is going to be the year. And then they set it up to bring him right to the freaking pinnacle. And then... Sweat, like they took the rug out from every single like diehard Lij and Naito fan. To like be, literally, they had him right there. They had him right there. All he had to do was beat Jay, and he'd be in the finals. Listen, like I don't want to get too religious on our podcast, but I remember one time I was at a church. I heard this sermon called "Judas kissed the gates of heaven and went to hell," <laughs> and like that's what it felt like. It felt like uh, like Naito was right at the gates of heaven. And they told him, go to hell. <laughs> like, because, bro, like, at this point, we are going to have to come to the conclusion that there is no redemption arc. Right. This is literally just a tragedy. The yeah. guy, they're not doing it. And if they do, let's say six months from now, let's say they decide to do it, you know, uh, they've missed the boat. They, You know, we like to talk about them passing the peak. You watch a match and the match goes too long. And you're like, oh, they were at the peak. They passed it. Bro, they've they are passing the peak on Naito. That doesn't mean he's not still gonna be popular. Right. I mean he came out on the finals night, still huge pop. Whole crowd, Naito, Naito. Bro, this is starting to get into that sort of feeling that like you sort of had when you were watching Kushida the last few years. Mm. Where you're like, well, what's left for him? Right. The only thing that was left for him is to go heavyweight, and they were never gonna do that. What's left for Naito? It's like, well, the, the thing they needed to do, the thing we, that fans wanted to see, and not just wanted to see, but specifically in this situation, him against Okada, destiny, title for title, mm-hmm. like the redemption, you know? And I thought it was going to be similar to like, you know, they did uh, every two years, they did uh, Austin and Rock at WrestleMania. This felt very similar, like a generational feud. Every two years at Wrestle Kingdom, you get Okada and Naito. And they were following that trajectory I don't know if they ever were planning to go with Naito. Right. At this point, it seems like maybe not. Like, I don't think this was an audible. This was the booking scenario. This is what Gato's vision was. And um, I really got to question it. I yeah. really, really I mean, the only it. hope for Naito is the fact that the Okada match has been protected since that last match they had. That's the only thing. Why have they been protecting it for so... They, they, they've only been in the ring in multi-man... Tag matches since the for for almost two years now. Right. So they so that's the only hope. It's like they gotta be saving that match for something, right? But here's the thing: Are we gonna pass over the Ibushi's, the Jay Whites, the Will Ospreys, the Shingo Takagi's, mm-hmm. and you know the the John Moxleys and whoever else you have? We're gonna pass all those guys over for an aging Naito. It really seemed like, to me, maybe I'm wrong, that this needed to be the time. And it makes me feel like that whole feud between Ibushi and Naito earlier this year was really representative of what's happening here. You know, mm. Even though at the end, like I guess, quote-unquote, Naito won, Ibushi was kind of killing him in that Who feud. really won? Who, who, <laughs> who really? Who really? Bro. Remember when... Okay, remember when Rich made that joke? He was like, the real winner of this feud will be the loser because they'll get to go to Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah. Because the loser will be stuck with that, <laughs> that white belt. Yeah. Bro, he was right. 
I didn't think he was right, but dude, he he should come out and here and take a freaking victory. <laughs> and you know, we had several listeners too with Abushi signed that lifetime contract. Like, is Abushi signing going to derail plans for Naito? Now, I don't know what the booking plans were, but finally getting Abushi on paper, and you know, Abushi he looks young, he's in great shape, but he is a little bit up there in age. He's not young, so it's like. Maybe Gale's like, I got this guy signed. Like, I got to pull the trigger now on this guy. So, I don't know. Yeah, but here's the thing. Is Ibushi going to beat Okada at the... I mean, we got a lot of time to think about it. But, like, he just beat him the other night. Is he going to really go to... I mean, they've got a lot of time to book it. But, like, this crap, it seems... Bro, we can't come on this podcast anymore and say, Fanta Naito, be patient. Just, yeah, we we've been we saying we can't say just wait. We can't say tranquilo. Yeah, tranquilo. <laughs> we can't say any of that. Uh, I think I've I've made some pretty hyperbolic like claims in the past where I've been like, oh, I'll do this if they don't do. But like the reality is, I do feel slightly dejected about this um, because, bro, Naito's like been a company man mm-hmm. all these years and like been that dude he got himself over he freaking reinvented himself like he sold all this merch Mm -hmm. had all these fantastic matches literally like destroyed his neck and you kind of thought at some point that they would pay this off and they're not gonna bro they're just not like and if they are then it's gonna be too late if they are then you know rich can do another like uh rant another rant and he can use this audio clip where we're talking about how they're not gonna do it (laughs) because right now it really looks like they're not gonna do it and that's crazy to me uh so next question from rambone slam pig he says do you think naito will explore his other options elsewhere in the wrestling world after his current contract is up it seems that he's never going to reach that pinnacle in njpw before his body gives out i don't know because i don't know what kind of mindset he has as a worker or as a businessman um you know as much as we are marks for this stuff i don't know how much he's a mark for this stuff you know what i mean right like he is obviously i don't want to say playing a character because then jeremy will go character character or character <laughs> dude i got a meme i made <laughs> of uh big daddy that i've been waiting for you so i'm just waiting for somebody in the group chat to say something about actor character it's like this Pop that Big Daddy. Act. What act? Nobody knows who Big Daddy is. Like, is. We're not talking about Shirley Crabtree. We're talking about Tampa Bay Pros, Big Daddy. Right. Manager of the technical alchemist, <laughs> David Mercury. Oh, man. You know what's funny? is like um, Rod Grimes probably listening to this right now and popping. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to the scoundrel, Rod Grimes. But, um, yeah, man. I just, uh, you know, this might be where he belongs. You know what I'm saying? Like, he might not actually be a – he might be making fantastic money, and this might be the perfect and ideal place for him to be, and he might be completely tranquilo about this. You right, know what I mean? Right, On the other hand, some guys – and I got to imagine there's a good chance that Naito probably fits in this category. Guys who are driven professionally to be the best, to be recognized and paid and, again, recognized as the best. Um and that just might not happen in New Japan. And with these guys having the autonomy to fit their own views and, and uh, ideas into the character that they, that they represent, him bringing up 
you know, the fact that he doesn't know why he's the IC champion. He doesn't know why he's not <laughs> yeah, the IWG. Yeah. How much of that's a work? How much of that is a shoot? Um, is there a chance that if I'm Tetsuya Naito and we keep talking about how he's the new quote-unquote Nakamura, what did Nakamura do? He gave his body a rest. He went and made bigger money. And he's going to retire a rich man. Yeah. Do you, I don't know. Uh, is, is Naito going to keep killing himself to not be the champion and make less money? Or should he explore his options and maybe get that com money? Yeah. I bet you they make him the, the AEW champion if he goes to freaking Jacksonville. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, now, like, you know, we talk about, like, Nakamura and AJ and all those guys, like, WWE was pretty much the only option yeah. to go after New Japan. Yeah. Now you got AEW, and the wrestling world has been turned on its head these last couple of years. There's a lot more places to go, a lot of places to make money. Yeah, and think about other guys who have made a lot of money, like Cody Rhodes, uh, Shima, um, just uh, John Moxley, guys who have kind of struck out on their own and even done the whole independent thing, the the world traveler thing. Um, yeah, Naito's a big name. He's a big, big name. And he could probably make great money if he wanted to and just go out on his own if he wanted and then eventually sign somewhere and it doesn't have to be New Japan. So right. I don't know that he'll do that. This is just speculation. But I think it's very possible, especially if they're not going to ever right. go with him. Like, honestly, like... Come, you know, January time, I wouldn't be surprised oh my if God. Naito leaves after the Dome. Although that LIJ money's got to be good. True. They make a lot of, they sell a lot of merch. Yeah. Uh, next question from William Johnson. And this was in uh, all caps. He says, why does Gato hate Naito? I hope you have an answer because I'm Dead Sea levels of salt. Yes, <laughs> I'm very aware my question is all caps. Uh... We, we don't know. We, we literally don't. In this business, it could literally... I mean, Gato might not hate him. This might just be where they... I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah. I, I do got to question it. Like, I know we're spending a lot of time on this, but this is kind of mind-boggling. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, this is, a, this is a topic that a lot of people are still talking about. So it, it, does, well, it deserves a time. Okay, so when Naito didn't win the title at the time, he was red... He was white hot. Mm-hmm. During his title challenge against Okada at the Dome, it seemed like that was the time to go go with him. And then at that time, I had called again for him to lose because I was like, it gives him a great story arc. But now it's two years later almost. We're not getting that great story arc. And his, his um, booking has been very – even though it's favorable, up and down, up and down. He's definitely a featured act, but he's not featured as the top act. Right. He hasn't had a title shot since then. He hasn't had one. Like, how is that possible, you know? He hasn't won a tournament since then. He's just been stuck with the IC title, and he's been in feuds with Suzuki and, you know, Chris Jericho. And Ibushi. And Ibushi. Um, and it, these all kind of seem like just distractions. And we've we've just been saying over the years, like, wait, wait till, wait till, have patience, wait till. They got this. And the main thing is, like, it really felt like there was going to be a payoff. New Japan almost always consistently pays things off. There's a part of me that wants to interject right now and says, well, we don't know. Maybe Gato has a plan, but um, you can't say that for two years because right. then, then you just look like a fool. Right. I mean – You look like a fool and I think that – I think they're – Naito is one of the most popular 
wrestlers in New Japan. And I mean really like not just for Western fans but like around the world. It's super – this is super suspect to me. Yeah. Super questionable. Well, the only thing that LJ fans can really hold on to is they're saving the Okada match and there's two domes. So – Is there – is there any chance? Do you see? Do you see any chance that we wind up with an IWGP title match between him and Okada, or vice versa, just a match between him and Okada at the Dome in general? I mean, it's possible. Um, like, could Okada lose his belt and then challenge for the IW the IC belt? That's or, something I thought about. Or Okada can retain on night one and face Naito on night two. Back to back title defenses. Yeah, that seems questionable uh that well what if what if he defends on night two and then and then night two wins that kind of doesn't that like kind of taint the victory for him maybe maybe a little um, bit unless they both like had matches the night before yeah uh, i don't maybe night defends the icy belt on right the first night as well but how do we get there and then what about a here's the thing but what about abushi because bro abushi at this point it, we're gonna talk about him, but he's a he's made bro yeah like they with what they've done with this final, right now Naito's not the right guy to go with. He could have been if they had decided that he was, but they didn't, and now he's not. Right. At this point, he should not be fighting Okada for the title because the booking has dictated so. And that does kind of suck for Naito fans in a way. Yeah, it, this – who knows? We, we might be looking back on this come January time and being like, we didn't see it. We're idiots. <laughs> We're simple marks. Uh but the last question on this comes from Reddit user Morbid Suplex. Says, why does Gato hate Naito? Is there any chance Naito defeats Ibushi for the case, goes to Wrestle Kingdom next year against Okada and win? Would next year be Naito's last chance of main eventing the Dome? So I don't think there's a chance of Naito defeating Ibushi for the case. That'd be a bad booking decision. So um, in the news, we'll talk about this, but there was um, you know a post-match press conference where Ibushi answered several questions. And he mentioned that he will be defending the briefcase against Evil and Kenta, the two people who beat him in the G1. So Naito has no claim whatsoever of a, another match with Ibushi and a, a contract match. So that would, would be bad booking and would come out of left field. Yeah, I agree, man. I agree. I don't I don't know what else to say. I think we've I've said it all. Yeah, so what do you think that la- that this is uh, next year would be his last chance of made him in the dome. I I don't see it. Yeah. I, I I think this is it. I don't see him main eventing the dome, man. So yeah, so if it doesn't happen January fourth or fifth, twenty twenty, then it's it's done. Yeah, I mean, I could just be wrong, but yeah, I don't yeah. see it right now. All right, so that's all the Naito questions for now. Um, back on track with the rest of the B block. So John Moxley on night sixteen, Hiroki Goto defeated John Moxley at eight minutes and forty five seconds. What do you think about this one? Yeah. So um, the Goto Moxley match, uh, I actually thought it was pretty good. Um, believe it or not, and I know there's probably some people listening like, of course you liked it. Goto won. <laughs> No, no, no. That's not it. I actually thought the I thought the finish was very flat. It came from out of nowhere. This was a short match. What I liked about it, I liked John Moxley in this match. <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> Although you know, every week I say that I think 
John Moxley is good. I just think he hasn't been wrestling up to the level. I think that he's assimilating to this uh, to this style quite a bit. Some of the things that I've seen him do throughout the tournament, uh, the last few matches he has not been doing. The weird protecting himself when he takes these big bumps. Um, not that you shouldn't protect yourself, but the way he's been doing it, it's very, you know, it's been weird. Uh, no more of that. Uh, the soft strikes. Remember I was complaining about the soft strikes? Those are gone. We're getting we're getting strong, stiff forearms from uh, John Moxley. We're getting in ring work from John Moxley. He's not brawling all over the place. Yeah, he bro- he pulls out a table everywhere, but I'm kind of resigned to that. Like, okay, he's go- he's always gonna pull out a table. Fine. Remember the other week when you said with Suzuki? Did I have a problem with Suzuki brawling all the time? You know, versus John Moxley, and I was like, no, because when Suzuki gets in the ring, he freaking delivers. Uh, I think John's like starting to deliver. Uh, the last few matches before this, I started to notice that. And I think this match with Goto, he kind of came into his own. I could see him and Goto actually have it. I thought him and Goto had good chemistry, believe it or not. And I think they could probably, not not that they'd have a match that meant anything, quote unquote, because I don't know what kind of story you could tell there. But I thought that the action was good. Um, but then it just kind of came out of nowhere. And, yeah, and I mean, he got GTR'd, and that was it. I mean, that was my problem with this match for me. I mean, I thought it was pretty good. I went three and a half on this one. For me, I just felt it was too short, yeah. especially for the way that Moxley has been built. I mean, he was built like a killer. He was mowing people down throughout this tournament. And then now we're at night 16 with the end of this tournament, and Goto just, like, beats him in eight minutes like it's nothing. I think here's my thing. I think, in a way, Gato slightly booked himself into a corner and had to create a scenario where Goto beat him, obviously. We talked about last week how I didn't agree with him losing, you know, what was it, four times in a row? Right. Didn't agree with that. I still don't agree with it, to be honest with you. Um, But with that being said, they were like, well, how do we get Goto to beat him? Do we... Does it devalue John Moxley more if we if they go to war and have like a big 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 long war and then he beats him like you know that's a big big win for Goto, or maybe you just have do you have John Moxley, essentially pretty much squash him and Goto rolls him up or some other shenanigans mm-hmm. like, eh, that's you know that might that that might be some more of the things that I haven't liked about his run in the G one, so they're like you know what, let's bite the bullet, have him go out there have a solid match out of nowhere. Goto gets the surprise upset. It's the G1 people lose. That's what happens. And, yeah, that's what happened here. I think they – I literally think they got to a point where they're like, well, what do we do here? Yeah. Just go out there and do it. Just just bite the bullet. You, you guys have nine minutes. Go make it happen. And yeah. I think that's what happened here. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And like like you mentioned, it was a GTR kind of out of nowhere, reversing out of the uh, Death Rider. I think part of it's like you have a short match that's not super memorable, but that's solid. And then, you know – when people are not talk, when people are talking about this, they're not really talking about that win so much. It's just kind of an afterthought. <laughs> right. Like just go out there, have a solid, forgettable match that no one's going to talk about. <laughs> uh, so then on nineteen, night eighteen, uh, Jukes Robinson defeated John Moxley, sixty minutes and thirty seconds. Real quick, here's how forgettable it is. I don't even like the booking decision at all, but the match is so forgettable that I can't even be outraged. I'm just like, eh, that's what they did. That's, that's what they did. Let's move on. But, uh, yeah, so Juice Robinson, John Moxley. Uh, bro, I really liked this match. I like this match, too. It was not as good as the first one at Best of the Super Junior Finals. Um, no, it was not. But I still thought it was really great. I went four stars flat on here. I, I was higher on it than that. Were you, like, four and a quarter? I don't know exactly. Bro, 
My ratings are. <laughs> we've watched so much wrestling; it's hard to, to know. I all I know is that I thought night eighteen, by the way, was one of the best nights of the entire tournament. Yes, night eighteen is one of the best nights of the tournament. It was definitely the, probably the best B block night overall. I think it's a card of the year. Like possibly, possibly it might yeah. be a card of the year. Uh, but this match really ruled. Obviously, the story here: Juice Robinson has been on the you know. Trail of the Death Rider all tournament long, and it's been building and building. What I loved about this match, Juice would not play John Moxley's game. Right, he knew from the Best of Super Junior Finals. He tried to brawl with Mox, it didn't work. That caused him to lose. And what I liked about that is this: I complained a lot about John Moxley's brawling and all that, but if it ultimately ended up leading to this then I kind of backtrack on some of that because they did such a fantastic job establishing that that's John Moxley's game. Everybody played the game. Every single guy that he fought tried to do that. Juice studied him the entire time, and when it came time for a table to come up, nope, you're going to go back. Chair, nope, you're going to go back. Right. You know, and I was just, nope, we're going inside. <laughs> like, he literally, like, came up with a game plan specifically tailored to John Moxley, and I think that that made this match like a lot better in my mind ultimately because of that yeah and yeah i love that story of juice you know trying to be that valiant bay face have that game plan and not cheat also you know another uh story element of this match was juice's leg uh mox had attacked the leg um post-match uh the night before in the, their their undercard tag match and so uh mox focused a lot of his offense on juice's leg uh to try and uh, get a submission win out of juice um, but Juice was able to kind of fight uh, through the pain and fight back, hit that big left hand of God and the Pulp Friction to beat John Moxley and set himself up for a uh, future U.S. title match. Yes, yes, yes. So, um, how excited are you for another Juice Moxley match? I'm pretty excited and um, getting a little bit ahead here, but on the post match from Night 19. Uh, Mox said, you know, Juice, you can have your rematch as long as we do it. No disqualifications. Uh, Juice said, I guess I'll have to do it your way. So it seems at some point we're going to get no DQ, Mox versus Juice. It doesn't know, we don't know when it's going to happen just yet. Um, but if it's going to be anything like the Best of the Super Junior final match, I'm all for it. Here's the thing with that. Um, oh, and I just want to say, along, uh, along with that, Juice changing the game plan to make John Moxley wrestle his style match, I was... I was. I'm not just saying this because, listen. I know that there's people that don't agree with my opinions on Mox or whatever. And if I, I, I don't really care about that ultimately. <laughs> like, but so I'm not saying this to backtrack on it. So that those of you who disagree, like for those of you that disagreed, we just we disagree. But I will say this: I thought John Moxley was really good in this match. I thought he was really, really. I didn't think it was just juice. Like I think. I think these guys both work really well together. Yeah, they have great chemistry. They have great chemistry. I think John Moxley has really assimilated very well. And not only that, we I what I'm talking about too, I saw a lot on the undercard tags. Like just the small nitpicky things that I didn't like, like the strikes and the bumping and him eating the guys alive. He didn't do that on these last few nights. And he was still the Death Rider. He was still charismatic. He was still over. He still brawled. He still did all the things I liked, but he he's cutting out the things I didn't like. And not that I would... And here's the other thing. I was never not in on Mox because I liked Mox the moment he came into the company. 
I, they just started turning things a bit when I started seeing him eat guys up like Ishii and Naito and crap like that. And some of the, I didn't, it was always the, the actual match layouts that I didn't like. Right. Um, but man, I think that these matches were, I thought, especially this juice match, I thought it was laid out really well. And I thought, I think Mox is getting, and it happens to everybody, bro. Everyone who comes to New Japan, they, they get better. Right. They're, and, then, and they're all good, but they get better. And juice was a perfect example. I mean, when he first came in, um, you know, fresh out of FCW NXT, it's yeah. like, yeah, he's a fine worker, but he's not to New Japan standards. But you know, his time in the dojo and working all those undercard tags, and eventually, you know, the rivalry with Goto, the rivalry with uh, Jay White, you know, all these, uh, the rivalry with Cody, Juice got better and better and better, and now he's a, a way better wrestler than he was when he first stepped in. I felt with Mox like some of that stuff early on was like smoke and mirrors. And maybe you could all, and that might be a negative way to say it. Another way, another way to say it is accentuate the positives. Mm-hmm. And but now it's starting to feel like he's becoming more well-rounded to where he can do this house style of New Japan. Maybe he always could, and they they just weren't showing it. But now it seems like he really is coming into his own, and um, it is getting me like very excited for what he does here. And like I gotta tell you, I I'm way more in on John Moxley in New Japan than I am him in AEW. And I'm not an AEW hater. But, like, I'm not that hyped about him in AEW the way that I am about this guy right now. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'm i excited to see what happens next. And also, because Juice just beat him, I could easily see Jon Moxley winning the feud. Mm. He probably will because Juice already got the big win over him on the final night. Yeah. Like, and now they're going to fight Moxley style. I, I bet you Mox beats him. Yeah, for me, all this depends on what his future looks like in New Japan how the travel schedule is going to work between that and AEW. I don't know if this is a thing like, you know, next week when they announce, whenever they announce the destruction cards, like is it going to be Juice versus Mox, and then that's his last match until Wrestle Kingdom, and they want to get the belt off of him. Maybe. So, so I don't know. You know, you got you got the um, you got some U.S. shows coming up. You think you'd want the U.S. champion on those shows? So maybe they do that that quick turn so you can get Juice on those shows. Or, you know, like you're, maybe they go your way. Maybe Mox beats him, keeps the U.S. belt until Wrestle Kingdom, and defends against somebody big at Wrestle Kingdom. I don't know. I could see, That's what I think is going to happen. I don't see any – it's not an important belt. I don't see any reason to take it off of him. Keep the belt on him. Make him defend it at Wrestle Kingdom. You know, Juice loses a lot, so. <laughs> but, yeah, this is great. So, next up, Tetsuya Naito. Uh, night 16, Naito defeated Jeff Cobb in 11 minutes. Uh, yeah, he beat he beat Cobb. Yeah, it's pretty mean, good. It was okay match. It was okay match. Honestly, like this is not this is one where I really don't remember <laughs> much from. Like it was. Do you feel like Do you feel like that with most of Cobb's run? Pretty much. I mean, it it was this match was just kind of there. I went uh, I think I went three stars flat on it. Um, it's it's good shit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I went uh, three three and a quarter. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's just really not much to say with this match. I mean, Cobb did his standing moonsault and his power stuff. Naito was tranquilo, did his ranas, his eye rakes. Uh, Here's a hot take. I'm not surprised that this match wasn't great because these were the two underachievers of the tournament. That Yeah. On a, on a, on a night where both of them probably did saw it as like uh they were like they were not high up on the card right they were like right. um were they the opener that night night 16 they were the second match yeah so i mean they were slotted in a in a lower slot 
both of these guys have underperformed throughout the tournament. I, I was not surprised that this match didn't really deliver, even though it should have. Even though both guys are talented enough that it should, it didn't. And that's pretty much it. It was, it was fine. The one cool spot that I remember was the uh, that F5000. Oh, yeah, he did the F5000. That Cobb did to Naito. Yeah, Naito took it like a champ. Yeah, besides that, I mean, <laughs> just another match. You know what? For a minute, I was starting to feel like maybe I didn't even watch it, but then you just mentioned the F5000. I was like, no, I definitely, <laughs> I definitely did watch this match, yeah. And then we already talked about 1918 with Jay defeating Naito. So then we move on to Hiroki Goto. Uh, night 16, Goto defeated John Moxley. We talked about that match. Then on night 18, we had Shingo Takagi defeating Hiroki Goto. And man, this was a hell of a match. Uh, you know, you want to talk about, you know, two big beefy dudes just beating the crap out of each other. That's what we got here in this semi-main event of uh, with Shingo and Goto. Yeah, this was great. This is great. Goto works really well with certain guys. Shingo's one of the guys he works really great with. Um, I just remember this being very violent. But the main thing, the one thing that this match has left me with, and I will never, ever forget, was that lariat. That pumping bomber that Shingo yes. hit Goto with. I, I literally think it might be the single greatest, like, lariat that I've ever seen in my life. Yes, bro. Like, I'm sorry, Kojima, but <laughs> I think Shingo is now the owner <laughs> of the strongest arm because he decapitated Goto with that pumping bomber. Bro, I made you rewind it a few times just <laughs> so we could. I was like, did, well, did that really just happen that way? It's right at the end of the match. If you guys haven't seen it, you got to at least see the gift of Yeah, gift I, of I'm it. sure several people have gifted oh. up. There's videos out, but yeah, I mean. Bro, Goto, it looked unreal. It did not look, you, lots of times, when, okay, so he gets freaking lariated and he flips all the way over. And you see lots of guys do that. And many times, it, and, the, and I'm not knocking this, this is fine. Guys get hit and you kind of know that they're working with the guy because they, they do the whole flip and you see them do the flip. This looked like Goto never did had any sort of effort whatsoever. It looked like the freaking clothesline literally like knocked him into next week and he like his body actually did the flip on its own. It wasn't Right. Like, it wasn't like him trying to like do a cool sell. Now I know it probably had to be, but it didn't look that way. It did like, not look the momentum was so freaking well, hard. Well because it was like so Shingo was running in to do the pumping bomber, but it looked like Goto was running in to either Maybe he was do his own lariat, or maybe sometimes he does like that. He uh, was going for his own lariat, or that running like duck under a sleeper. He does sometimes. No, he was going for the lariat. But freaking Shingo just overwhelmed, overpowered Shingo him. They were going for the James Boyd spot, and Shingo said, "Nah, Pump that nah, <laughs> hold this pumping bomber." Oh my god, yeah. So Shingo ended up beating Goto. This was a really good match. It's a strong style candidate. If you guys haven't seen it, you gotta see it. Really good match. Yeah, it finished him off with the uh, last of the dragon. Uh, I went a uh, four and a quarter on this one. I'd agree. Um, and so next we move on to Taichi. On night 16, uh, Toriyano defeated Taichi at five minutes. Uh, yeah, via count out. Was this your weakest match of the tournament, as many people predicted it would be? Yeah, I think this was uh, my weakest match. Um, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, I went two stars on it. I thought it was pretty funny. But, I mean, it was funny. It was entertaining for, yeah, for, for what the it was. five minutes, what it was. I mean, uh, it's not much, you know, analysis to really do there. I mean, Yano, you know. Yano, Yano, Yano. He rolled up He rolled up uh, Kanemaru and Taichi with the ring apron. They couldn't get untangled and got the count out. The post-match promo, though, was hilarious from Taichi and Kanemaru. And Taichi was like, 
you know, why why were your lips on my lips? Like, why were you stuck on top of me? Like, <laughs> he's like, this was horrible. I was stuck with that old man. <laughs> I couldn't escape. So th- that was pretty funny. Um, and then on night 18, Tai Chi defeated the never open weight champion Tomohiro Ishii 12 minutes and 5 seconds. This match freaking rock. Straight from the bell, we got Dangerous T. No gimmicks, no interference, no Iron Claw, no mics, no Mio Abe's, no Kanamaru. Straight up Tai Chi. As soon as the bell rang, bam, Axe Bomber. Uh, I think he followed up with uh, a last ride. Almost pinned um, Ishii within 10 seconds. And then the whole match, it was just those guys going back and forth. Strong style matchup, man. Hey, here's a hot take. Taichi and Tomohiro Ishii is a feud of the year contender. It is. I don't think it's a hot take. Well, I don't feel I I don't feel like a lot of people are thinking necessarily like a feud of the year. But bro, they've had three bangers this year. Three bangers, and they've all been legit bangers. Yeah, Tai. Uh, uh, yeah, Ishii has been bringing out the best in uh, Taichi, and and Taichi's had a really good tournament. Like he's basically, I don't want to say he's as good as Archer because he's. I don't think he has been, but he's the archer of the B block. He's the overperformer, the guy, the breakout guy. Um, he's the guy that people expected the least out of and delivered the most. Now, I'm not saying every match he had was great, but more often than not, he overdelivered on what people thought he was going to do. And uh, you know, last year he got excluded from this tournament, and he showed he belonged here. And like now, I'm like, Tai Chi in next year's G1, hell yeah, yeah. I'm this all, match freaking ruled. Yeah, I love this match. Went four and a quarter on this one. I was shocked at how, like, uh, I, I liked all their matches this year. This was the shortest of them. I think it was the best. Yeah, I think it was the best. Dude, I, I think if they had a few more minutes, they could have. It would have been even better too. And again, night, look at night eighteen, bro. Tai Chi versus Ishii, Shingo versus Goto, Juice versus Moxley. Uh, freaking uh, Naito and um, Jay White, which might be the underperforming match, and it was still a great match, but the mm-hmm. underperforming of that list of, of matches, like Night Eighteen ruled, bro. Yeah, Night Eighteen was great. Um, and so moving on to Tomohiro Ishii on Night Sixteen, he had that epic encounter with Shingo Takagi. Shingo defeating Ishii twenty-two minutes and fifty seconds. You want to know? You want to know a secret? What? This is one of the only matches of the tournament I haven't seen. Bro, you <laughs> haven't seen Shingo and Ishii? I got busy, bro. Oh, it's been my. A cra- oh, my bro, gosh, bro. We, I told you at the beginning of this tournament that there's a chance I'd miss whole nights. I didn't. I haven't missed a whole night, but for for whatever reason, bro, it's just like I got behind, and then I was like, well, I, I watched most of 16, and then some stuff came up, and now I want to get into it. I just never got around to it. I know I need to see it. I've had people personally reach out to me, and they're like, "This would be," they're like, "This will be your favorite match of the tournament." I haven't seen it. Oh my gosh, bro! Yeah, I- <laughs> this was an epic main event. I went four seven five. These guys just went out here and freaking killed each other. The lariats, the chops, the pumping bombers, freaking Shingo on that made in Japan, which is so awesome. I, I wish the main in Japan was still his finisher. And remember when the, when we started talking about Shingo ha- moving up to heavyweight, what was the one match that I think we both, but like I think I'm pretty sure, I, I don't know for sure, but I feel like the first guy I mentioned was I can't wait to see him fight Ishii. Yeah. And now, and now it's happened, and now I haven't seen it. And now everyone is praising this match like it's one of the top matches of the year, and I'm like, dang it, I can't believe I didn't see it yet. I'm going to watch it for sure, but yes. 
But yeah, great stuff. Definitely one of the top matches of the tournament. And, um, you know, set Shingo up. You know, Shingo, he beat Ishii and Goto back-to-back. And um, he came out in the press conferences or the post-match promos saying, you know, he's not declaring himself a heavyweight. And he's planning on moving forward, um, going in the heavyweight division. That, so, that's awesome. So we could potentially be getting a Shingo never title match maybe down the road. So maybe he can win the freaking uh, uh, New Japan Cup next year. Yeah. Yeah. So next up we have Juice Robinson. We already talked about both of his matches um, with Jay and John. Then we have Jeff Cobb. We talked about the Naito match. Then on night 18, he faced off against Tori Yano at 5 minutes and 20 seconds. He beat Yano. Once again, another short, fun, entertaining. Pretty much just a way to get Cobb some points so he didn't look too embarrassed. He went 4-5 and five at the end of the tournament, which yeah. right, right there at the bottom with, with the other guys that went 4-5. and five And parody booking, once again. Yeah, it was pretty hilarious with Yano kind of getting Cobb stuck in his singlet and uh, trying to roll him up. But yeah, I mean, nothing too much to really write home about this one. So let's talk about these finals, man. Oh, hold on, we got uh, oh. so nope, that's oh, it. Oh, so yeah, Toriano. We talked about both of his matches, we about and it. then uh, Shingo Takagi. We, yeah, we covered both of his matches. So yeah, so uh, yeah, now we're uh, moving on to the finals. Then, so yeah, night nineteen, the G One Climax Twenty Nine Finals here in uh, Budokan Hall. Of course, all three nights were in Budokan Hall. Uh, question from Reddit user Eater of Bread: Why was the front row of fans so far from the ring at Budokan? Like the Tokyo Dome, they don't seem to use that area for much. You know, I I really couldn't give you a strong answer for why that is. But ever since I remember watching wrestling at Budokan Hall or the Tokyo Dome, that just seems to be how they do it. I don't know if it has something to do with the way that they set things up for, like, say, sumo. Mm. Or something of that nature. Maybe fire code. I really don't have a good answer, but I just think it's always been that way. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not 100% sure. Maybe we can try and ask somebody to find out, but... Yeah, not sure. Good question. We got bet- not, not good answers. <laughs> so uh, the card opened up with the L.A. Young Lions, Carl Fredericks and Carl- Clark Connors. They defeated Yotosuji and Renamita 10 minutes via submission. This match was a freaking banger. It was awesome. Three and a half. These freaking L.A. Um, dojo guys are awesome. Carl Fredericks is going to be a star. Clark Connors is awesome. Yo, like, bump that. Suji's going to be a star. My dog, Ren Narita, is going to be... He, he might not be a star, but he's going to be there. <laughs> um, so we had a question from Reddit user WRPLA101. Um, it says, obviously, most questions about the final night... Well, most questions will be about the final night, about the top of the card, being angle stuff from the show, but wanted to give some attention to the opening tag. What match? What a match that was. A great showcase of intensity and fire. The LA Dojo guys have been seriously impressive on this tour. When do you think we'll see them over in Japan? Do you think they'll be incorporated onto tours more regularly from now on? I hope so. I really hope so. And you know what? They were starting to use them a bit in ROH. And I don't know if they're going to keep doing that. So uh, it seems to me like there's a good possibility that they might continue to use them, uh, especially since they seem to be pretty high in Clark Connors or I'm sorry, Carl Fredericks specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, I had that yeah. right, Carl Fredericks, the the one that they're higher on, right? Yeah, yeah, dude. I I think it's time for uh, another Young Lions Cup. <sighs> I love the Young Lions Cup. Don't I love <laughs> the Young Lions Cup? <laughs> Let's do it, man. We got some LA guys. We got some new uh, New Japan Dojo guys. Let's run it, man. Yeah, they need to bring bring back uh, Kitamura. 
Um, and you know the uh, post match promos. Uh, uh, Suji was kind of asking the same question. He's like, you know, you guys have been in L.A. He's like, when are you coming to Japan? He's like, I want to run it again. Like, I want to fight you guys again. You guys, if you want to be real young lions, you need to come to Japan. Yeah. So that's very interesting. Uh, next question from uh, Reddit user Jar of Peanuts. He says, I'm sure it's been asked before, but how long do young lions usually stay on excursion? It feels like Kawato has been gone for a really long time. And I'm uh, not ready for when Narita and Shooter leave. You know, um, it's not always the same for everybody. But I think between like a year to two years is pretty normal. Like a year and a half is pretty standard. Um, there have been guys who've been gone longer, for sure. And there have been guys who've been gone shorter, depending. Um, and, you know, the, the, the whole excursion system, even though it's always been there in New Japan, it's kind of been more like shirt up, I think, the last couple years as the company's kind of really changed its tone and how they do things from some of, you know, the, like the dark days and the 90s, things like that. Uh, but I think most of the guys, for the most part, usually I think about a year and a half to two years is pretty standard. And Kawato is coming up on well, he left at Fantastic Mania not this year but last year. Yeah. So we're about a year and a half. So I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back like early next year, because he does have that title right now, and it seems like they're running with uh, him at NCMLL as the champion for a little bit. So I maybe after Fantastic Mania the next year, like after the two year mark, might be normal. Yeah, that would be great. So next up we had uh, Tiger Mask, Jushin Thunder Liger, and Jeff Cobb defeating. Kanumaru, Taichi, and Lanch Archer, 7 minutes and 50 seconds. Um, you know, thought this was a, a fine match. They were teasing some stuff between Jeff Cobb and Lanch Archer. That's the one, yeah, that's the one talking point of this match was a, a Cobb-Archer uh, angle. I don't know if maybe that's something that they're projecting to possibly do. I, I would say maybe on those uh, Fighting Spirit Unleashed shows. Yeah, that's yeah, great. That point. seems to be where yeah. I think that they would yeah. probably do that to uh, gaijin guys, to American guys. Yeah, but you know where they need to do this. Archer needs to take that bumps PWG belt. <laughs> Let's do it. The next PWG PWG show should be called Everybody Dies, and Archer should be in the main event. Hell yeah! Well, I think the next what they've got Bola coming up. They got Bola coming up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so Cobb ended up getting the win for his team there. So then we had. Toa Hanare and Juice Robinson defeating the Death Riders, Shota Umino. Oh, you, you skipped a match. Oh, yeah, skipped the Bullet Club match. Uh, Sho Yo and Will Ospreay defeating the returning Taiji Ishimori, Chase Owens, and Yujiro Takahashi at 8 minutes and 4 seconds. That's fine. Yeah, fine match. Always great to kind of see that. Those junior, uh, you know, showing yo back, seeing Taiji back. I think some of it's a little bit of a teaser for the New Japan Cup or for the uh, Super Juniors Cup that's coming up as well. Yeah, Se- several of the competitors there kind of interacting with one another, and then after that we got the tag match. Yeah, Toa and Juice defeating uh, the Death Riders. Um, you know, another good match here. Um, how, how, how stoked were you to start seeing? Uh, uh, well, I think they started it on this night, right when Sh- uh, Shoto Mino and John Moxley came out with the jackets. I don't. I think it was night eighteen. Actually, it might have been their tag match on seventeen. Where uh, Shooter came out with the Death Rider jacket that we saw in those uh, vignette videos to hype up the coming of Moxley. But yeah, it looks, it's super dope. I'm loving both of them <laughs> and the jackets. Yeah, it's the cutest thing ever. <laughs> but yeah, you know, this, this match was only 6 minutes and 25 seconds. Uh, uh, Toa Hanare ended up hitting the um, Toa bottom on Shooter to get the win. 
Then post-match, Moxley hits Juice with the belt and puts him through a table with a Uranagi of his own. I'll tell you one thing about Moxley. He knows how to put a bitch through a freaking, <laughs> through a strong style table. How many guys try to put other people through tables and the tables never break? Yeah. Moxley does not have that problem. Doesn't they always play. go through. And before he put Juice through the table, he said he looks like he belongs in a 1990s Jazzer Size video. Oh, that was so hilarious. So we're going to toughen him up. Before we move on, one thing I want to bring up. Toa Hanare has been looking really good on these undercards. I know we've said, I know we've gone through phases with him where we're, sometimes we're like, he looks really good. Other times we're like... Looks a little lackadaisical, but lately, dude's on fire, man. I know yeah. he, I know he wasn't in this tournament, but bro, he he's in the zone right now, and hopefully they have something in place for him over the next year. Yeah, I hope so too. And he's a guy I would love to see be in the G one next year. So uh, we had a question here from a Twitter follower at Jazz Keegan thirteen. Is do you think that uh, the Mox and Shota Death Riders? Motorcycle Gang could be a new faction in the company, and they could start recruiting people. Also, is Shoto's time with Mox meant to be his excursion rather than actually leaving the company? Yeah, I think they're taking new members. I think that uh, if you write into them and sign up for their official Chain Gang membership for the Death Rider Gang, um, you will get an official jacket that will be signed by the Death Rider himself, (laughs) John Moxley. And, uh, yeah, no, I don't, I don't know. I don't see it being an actual faction, honestly. Yeah, and also, again, we don't know how long Mox is going to be in New Japan or how often. Um, well, he did He did um, say something recently that, you know, he said luckily – I don't know what the where, the where it spawned off. I think maybe somebody on Twitter had asked him a question or maybe it was an interview. Um, I, I don't have all the facts on this. But I saw him put a statement out there, and he said luckily – you know, my obligations in North America with AEW don't preclude me from wrestling in Japan. So, like, he basically was saying, like, he's not leaving. Now, right. he's a worker. He could be lying. But I think he's here, man. He, he signed the deal before he ever signed up with right. AEW. Yeah. So, I, I kind of like it if it was just him and um, Shooter. I think I kind of like them as a team and Moxley kind of, like, mentoring him and being this, you know, kind of father figure to him. Um I also, to answer the second part of the question, no, I don't think that this uh, gets rid of an excursion. Now, to be clear, there have been guys who have had non-traditional excursion experiences. Tanahashi is one of them. Nakamura is another one uh, where maybe they delay their excursion to a later date in their career. Or some guys like – I think Togi Makabe is one of them. Like They don't really go on one and maybe they just do uh, short tours in other places, like kind of like what Dave Finley I mean, was Toa Hanare didn't really go on excursion. Exactly. Um, I don't think that this is his quote-unquote gimmick, though. You know what I mean? Like, right. You know, this isn't his excursion. He could st- – I think he'll probably end up going on an excursion. That's just my gut instinct. But if he doesn't, it's not like this is going to be that thing that he's rem- – like, this is not Shota Omino's legacy. They they see big things for him. Right. Um, next question from William Johnson. He says, do you think they should save Mox vs. Juice for Wrestle Kingdom? No. I would do that at King of Pro Wrestling. Yeah, I feel they need a fresh matchup for Mox at the Dome. Uh, so, yeah, I would either King of Pro Wrestling or uh, Destruction Tour. Yep, I agree. So, next up, we had um, we had Risuke Taguchi, Tomioka Hanuma, Toriyano, and Hiroki Goto, and Togi Makabe versus Los Ingobernables de Japón. And LIJ defeated Taguchi Japan here, 8 minutes and 45 seconds. 
Well, uh, this was fine. Uh, you know, uh, seeing Lij take on the New Japan geeks. Uh, actually, it's funny. I was talking to Chris Bryan last night, and he, we were talking about New Japan. And he was like, "I was so excited to see uh, Togi Makabe come back." <laughs> and I was like, "I'm pretty sure you're like the only one." <laughs> no, I'm just playing. Um, but yeah, I mean, this this is fine. I mean, we it's the Lij match. It's always fantastic. Yeah, it's always solid. We we always like it. Uh, we had a question here from Reddit user that was five stars. He says, "Hey guys, remember Hiromu? We'll never forget. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we are patiently waiting for Hiromu. Uh, there was an update on Observer Live or Observer Radio recently, and they said that the the, the news is that he should be returning fairly shortly. Uh, I feel like Dave has been saying that for a while now. <laughs> well, are, are you calling Dave a liar? I'm not, not, whoa, Jeremy, <laughs> are you saying that Dave Meltzer's wrong about things? Here's Whoa. <laughs> I'm just saying, there's been several times this year where it's like, yeah, I've been hearing that Hiromu is, like, doing really well and he's, he'll be back soon. And, like, it's like the date keeps getting pushed back. So, not saying Dave was wrong this time. That's I re- what you're saying. I respect Meltzer. You know, I listen- just man up and say, call Dave a freaking liar on no, that. No, I'm not a Meltzer <laughs> hater. Uh, but yeah, it's okay, bro. I won't judge you for it. Here's the thing: I'm just Our not, listeners might. I'm just not giving up hope for Hiromu. I'm tired of predicting Hiromu come back, getting my hopes, my anticip- anticipation up. But we haven't in a long time. Yeah, but that was five stars. Wants to know, and uh, you know, Dave said one thing, you said another. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with Dave Meltzer. He knows more than you. Oh, wow. You're wrong. Uh, that <laughs> that was five stars. Also says, does Shingo start going for the never open weight title now that he's declared himself a heavyweight? We can use some new blood in the Goto Ishi Tai Chi mix. Well, maybe, but uh, it looks like we got another title challenger to kind of worry about first, and uh, we'll talk about that in a bit. But yeah, I would like to see him in that that mix. I, I here's the thing, man. I can see Shingo in like the IC title mix at this point. Like he's that good. Oh, he's yeah. that good. Yeah. I, I, he's, Dude, a, he's I, right I, there. I think Shingo's ceiling is a Tokyo Dome main eventer. I, I agree. So yeah. And I think other people see that, too. Yeah. So then next up, we had the Bullet Club defeating Kenta, Yoshihashi, and Tomohiro Ishii. Uh, The Bullet Club team was made up of uh, G.O.D. and Bad Luck Fale. G.O.D. returning to New Japan from their little... From uh, that ass whooping. From, yeah, in the Ring of Honor. <laughs> that ass whooping they took. How about this? We'll talk about this match in a second, but we watched that. We didn't watch the whole card, but the other night we did watch the uh, the last tail or the last half of that uh, that ladder match from the Summer Super card between um, G.O.D. and the Briscoes. The stupidest finish I've ever seen in my entire life. Freaking Tamatong is on the top of the ladder. Jay Briscoe's on the top of the ladder, and to get Tamatanga off the ladder, he headbutts him like five times, and Tama sells it and falls off the ladder. Dude, there's no way that this man headbutted a Samoan five times and was totally fine. You mean a Tongan? Oh, my bad. <laughs> a Tongan. There's no way. Don't like that's that's like literally a classic trope of professional wrestling. Not only that, we've seen it play out a million times in New Japan. What? Suddenly they're in Ring of Honor. And the Briscoes have harder heads than the Tongans. Come on, that's that's bullcrap. Yeah, that's terrible booking. But that was a bloodbath of a match. Yeah, dude, from, that match is from what we bloody. saw. It was bloody, great, innovative spots. Those guys really killed each other. I really liked that match. I also liked the uh, street fight they had earlier in the month. 
I wouldn't call them like excursion match of the year contenders necessarily, but to see G.O.D. get to work in an environment and a match style that they'll never get to do probably in New Japan was actually pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so back to this match here. Um, you know, we were looking over the card for this final night, the day before, and we saw Kenta teaming up with Yoshihashi and Tomohiro Ishii, and we thought that was really weird. Yeah, we were like, this is super weird. Is he joining, like, Chaos? And then, like, we kind of said maybe, and I was like, that doesn't make sense. Right. Like, he hasn't, like, he's not cool with those guys. Like, make, this doesn't make sense. But and, and also, the match looked kind of crappy on paper. I was like, we're getting Fale and G.O.D. against Kenta, Yoshihashi, and Ishii. Like, okay, I guess, whatever. Yeah, but what was happening was a setup for one of the best angles in pro wrestling this year. Yeah, so, this, if, if we had like a quote-unquote angle of the year award, this would win. Like, this is the best angle in New Japan since Cody turned on Kenny. Yeah. Uh, you know, Ishii was getting ready to make a tag to Kenta. Kenta jumps down. Uh, Ishii gets uh, overwhelmed and uh, he gets hit. I believe he got hit with the gun stun. Uh, no, actually, uh, Kenta came back in, hit him the hit the psycho knee, and to go to sleep on Ishii. Ishii taking the go to sleep very well. Ishii is the only man who took the go to sleep the right way, perfect. That's what, bro. I wasn't sure if, if Ishii was gonna be my MVP of the tournament, but once I saw him take the GT the GTS the right way, I was like, okay, that's it. That's bro. That clinched it. He's the MVP. We'll get to that in a minute, but yeah, yeah. absolutely. So then uh, Tamatonga covers him after that. Bullet Club gets the win. They're all, you know, two sweeting each other. Kenta gets Michael. Yoshihashi tried to uh, try to get comeuppance on them, and he got beat like a freaking government mule. But the geek he like is, a geek. Yeah, Kenta is getting ready to cut a promo, and then out of freaking nowhere, Katsuyori Shibata beelines to the ring. Looking in freaking amazing shape, and comes out there and starts whooping on Kenta, whooping on the Tongans, one man wrecking crew. Bro, he beat that ass. Yes. He beat that ass, bro. Bro, he hit the most beautiful corner drop kick, bro. Bro, everything he hit was actually like the most beautiful. Like the best, like freaking running corner, like uh, big boot. The big, the best freaking corner drop kick, like everything he hit was vintage, you know, uh, Shibata, and it was I would bro, bro, my jaw. Okay, here's the thing, I was spoiled on this, but not on the fact that Shibata. I got spoiled on the fact that Kenta came back, mm-hmm. and I saw I saw them sitting on Shibata, and I was like, oh no, <laughs> and so I was spoiled before we watched this. But then when I saw Shibata come out, bro, he took his shirt off. He's a man, bro. He bro, is in. He's in great. He's been killing shape. It at the LA dojo, man, bro. But yeah, dude, he looked freaking amazing. Took out Kenta and the uh, Bullet Club and Fale. Yeah, he was go. Then and, he was, and the geeks. Yeah, then he was going for. He, he did a sleeper. He was going for the PK on Kenta. But then Jado whacked him with the kendo stick. But Kenta, I mean, uh, Shibata didn't even sell it. He just like got hit and like turned around and was like, "Oh, you want the smoke too, Jado?" Yeah, he was pissed. Yeah, like, you can come get some of this too. You can get these hands. Yeah, but then um, Kenta took advantage of the distraction from Jado, and um, Kenta chokes out Shibata, hits the PK, and then he sits on uh, Shibata's chest, cross-legged. Bullet Club is there surrounding him. He's throwing up the two sweet. They're all two swinging out uh, together. Bro, uh, shocked, shocked, shocking. This is shocking. This this was shocking, bro. 
This was a, this was an incredible, incredible angle. Yeah, and you know I've been seeing a lot of people. Well, actually, before I even get into that, we have a, a ton of questions. We have so many questions, we, um, and we and we're gonna give you guys time, but we have to get through them. Like, yeah. So first from uh, Reddit user uh, Asayo Jimbo, he just says, "Is Shibata back?" In all caps. Did he ever leave? Oh. oh. <laughs> Uh, I think what he means is, is he going to wrestle again? And I would say, bro, watching this made me feel like maybe, maybe, but I I pray to God he doesn't. I mean, yeah, I mean, doctors recommend that he shouldn't come back a lot. You know, Meltzer was saying on Observer Radio that, you know, the plans are not for him to wrestle, but dude. Here's my take on it. Okay. Real simple. I was one of the few people in the beginning who was like, I hope he comes back. I hope he recovers and all that, right? Mm-hmm. Until the day that I went on YouTube and I Googled subdural hematoma operation. I It was only on for like 15 seconds. And I, I like literally like – I was sick to my stomach and I was like <gasps> – and like there were people who literally commented this is what they did to Shibata. Like this – if you've never seen it and you don't know what I'm talking about, I don't want to describe it. I don't think that someone who has that kind of operation can wrestle. I literally don't think they can. I think that's a it's a the, the indication was that they didn't hit him in the head. That he didn't take a bump or anything like that. Like I maybe he could come back. Maybe he could. Maybe I'm not a medical doctor, but right. bro, people people who've had this kind of like uh, operation and stuff. One bad bump, he could die. Yeah, he could die in the ring. Like so, I hope. I kind of, as much as I love Shibata, I kind of hope he doesn't. Yeah, and you know, there's a lot of people saying, you know, what if Goto went to the LA Dojo to get Shibata ready, not Shibata to get Goto ready? Oh my god! <laughs> and they call me the conspiracy theorist. <laughs> you know, what if this injury has been a work? <laughs> it's not. This injury was. I, I, I know. This injury, I know. I'm oh just... my god. <laughs> It's like, uh, like like the Roman Reigns truthers. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, next question from Michael Grimes. He says, "Curious on what our up, Mike." He says, "Curious of your thoughts on Kenta joining the Bullet Club." I think it's fantastic. Yeah, I think it's great. You know, Kenta, he's been getting heat. Whether it's you know been set up that way or not, the fans don't like him. Think he's no trash. What better way? Do than they the- though? Are you sure about that? Yes. I think it's the New Japan bots that set this whole okay. thing up. This Whether you think it's bots or not, he's getting booed and the fans hate him. And so joining Bull Club is perfect. I don't. Do you think that this was the plan all along or do you think they just leaned into it? Uh, I, I think that was one of our questions okay. too. Um, but I, I don't know because I don't know if they were going to realize what kind of reaction he was going to get or not. They might have just called the audible and been like, all right, you're joining the Bullet Club. Right. Bro, I mean, the other okay. So the other night we were hanging out with Dan Coffin. Dan Dan is a f- very avid listener of this show. He also watches New Japan, but he is admittedly a newer fan of the product. And he asked us the other day. He was like, "You know, I haven't been watching for a long time, but I always heard about how cool this Bullet Club was. What's going on?" Right. <laughs> He's like. These guys do not seem cool to me. He's like, it looks like a bunch of geeks to me. And like, I'm like, uh, uh, God. Like, well, you missed the wave. <laughs> yeah, you, you missed it. Um, although I like the new Bullet Club, but I'm in, probably in the minority. I mean, I like the majority of Bullet Club. Yeah, but we're New Japan marks. Like, yeah. that, that's, that's the deal. Like, the average fan does not like these guys. Right. Uh, I think Kenta really brings something 
to the table. Uh, it is funny because Tama had tweeted out a few days prior to this, or like the day before, he's like, we just signed an incredible athlete. A high caliber high athlete. High caliber yeah. athlete. I have goosebumps. And I was like, who the heck did they sign? Apparently it's this man, Hideo Itami. Hideo Itami? Uh, <laughs> he's dead. It is Kenta. It's Kenta. Uh, we had a question. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. so uh, Reddit user JQNCG says, how far you think Kenta will go with Bullet Club? Uh, all the way. I, I I guess he's saying it how like what his booking level will be. I guess so, yeah. Or maybe how long he will be with Bullet Club. Maybe I don't know. He's in with them, bro. Yeah, like, this is not a like he's in. He's yeah. in, and he turned his back. Oh, speaking of which, Zach Porter. So good friend of ours, listener of the show, Zach Porter. He's got this shirt that he bought online, and it's uh, it says "Best Friends," and it's a picture of Shibata and Kenta's face side by side. And he like messaged me after after he knew we watched the G one. He's like, "All right, well, I guess I can't wear this shirt anymore." <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "New Japan." He's like, "Gato literally just ruined my entire weekend." <laughs> yeah, uh, which is funny. But yeah, I think Bull Club will be great for Kenta. It's some a new dynamic to his character, and I think uh, he's going to be one of the top guys in that that faction going forward. Uh, next question from Ricky says, "Do we see Shibata wrestle again?" We kind of answered that. Um, Oh, even hearing that question makes me go. <gasps> I mean, could they put him in a tag match? And Do you know what it reminded me of was that first time though when Daniel Bryan started doing the running drop kicks in the corner on uh, Sami Zayn and um, and Kevin, Kevin Owens. Owens. Yeah, and you were like, oh my god, he's he's every bit as good as he ever was. Yeah, that's how Shibata looked, bro. Shibata yeah, looked bro. every bit as good as he ever was. Ugh. I mean, could they stick him in a tag match? And it might be something where he can only. Like it might be like Bret Hart, you know. Right, he can only deliver moves. Yeah, I don't know. I I would. I don't think that they should do that. Could he have a squash match? I would be. I'd be much more inclined for him to be involved on some physical level as maybe like uh, a mentor or like a, a, a second, a second or a manager, um, and something of that nature. If now if he's cleared and he's healthy, I'd be all for. It. I just can't imagine it. Right. And uh, kind of plug into the next question from um, Twitter follower at D7Dog. says, Kenta versus Shibata for Wrestle Kingdom, question mark. And how good are the LA Dojo guys? They're great. I don't know if that's the move. It would seem to me, though, that there's a possibility that that's what this is all about. Yeah, it, it could be. But, bro, there's no way that you can do that match and it not be, what, super freaking, like, it's Kenta. It's Shibata. That would be extremely, extremely violent uh, that's a big ask. Yeah. Uh, next question from Reddit user: Why did you do that, bro? If Shibata isn't returning to the ring, then where do you think this storyline with Kenta is heading? A match with Goto? To start, yeah, I think at least. Yeah, that that might be direction. Maybe you have Kenta versus some of the LA Dojo Young Lions too on the on the path to Wrestle Kingdom. We're going to talk about it, but he has a matchup coming with a, another Chaos member as well. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's still that heat between him and Tanahashi, and Tanahashi is no stranger to having issues with Bullet Club. Right. You know, Okada might you know kind of feel foolish for shaking Kenta's hand and might want to get some. Man, this man Okada stays getting played by Bullet Club. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, next question from uh, Reddit user uh, Bravo Tango Zulu. Do you think Kenta joining the BC was always a plan or a response to some of the negative reactions Kenta? Has been having throughout the G1. 
I would love to say that they booked this in advance, and it's very plausible they did, but I couldn't say with any certainty. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure. I, I kind of feel like it was on the fly, but then they had the whole Shibata angle, so I'm not 100% sure. Uh, next question from Reddit user Maserati, our boy Maserati. Does uh, fitting Kenta into Bullet Club make the most sense considering how hated he is by everyone? Is he more of a whole ho or Noah trash? Oh my god. Well, I don't think he's a whole ho or no trash, but okay. Um, yeah, I think this makes a lot of sense. I think it's one of those brilliant ideas that I never saw coming, which is one of the great things about pro- this is pro wrestling, man. This is some of the best of pro wrestling. I think it makes a lot of sense. We tried, we, bro, remember when he came in, we we're like, where would you put him? You know what I mean? Right. And, and we, we were like, and everybody was like, oh, he's going to start, you know, the LA dojo faction. That was like one idea, but like when we were trying to talk, we're like, well, LIJ doesn't fit, I guess Suzuki Goon, but he's not needed there. Bullet Club, even though Bullet Club's a little overbloated, man, he fits in like a glove, especially with this persona, especially mm, with the heat. Yeah. This makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, and then last question on this uh, angle here comes from BJ Baker. Who do you think is the bigger heel right now, Kenta for laying out Shibata or Switchblade for killing the dreams of Naito fans? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Actually, you know what? I actually didn't think of this exact question, but I did think of something along those lines the other day, and I I, I was thinking about that. I'm glad he mentioned that because I wasn't going to remember to say it on the show. Uh, I have no clue, bro. Like, Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a tough one. That's <laughs> – bro, BJ Baker, hats off to you, man. That's, that's, that's a stumper, bro. Uh, that might be equal. Yeah. That might be equal. Like, equal heat. Yeah, man. And and look at that. Already, right now, the top two guys in Bullet Club. Suddenly, they go from this team that we're like, are they even the top heel faction to suddenly super duper heat? Mm-hmm. Oh, my on God. On both sides, yeah. Gato's brilliant. So then we move on to the semi-main event of the evening. We have the former Rev Pro Tag Champion, Zack Sabre Jr., and Minoru Suzuki defeating Hiroshi Tanahashi and Kazuchika Okada at 15 minutes and 30 seconds. Obviously, Suzuki getting the big win here over Okada. This whole tour, he's been um, destroying Okada in um, undercard tag matches that they were featured in. And then here, he hits the gotch pile driver on Okada and gets the win. Yeah, so um, this match, this match was awesome. Yeah, I really enjoy this match. Two great teams. We know Sabre and Suzuki are a great team, and then we've been seeing the Mega Aces from the last year teaming together. And so, yeah, this is a really great uh, tag match here. Really, really, really good tag match. Uh, you know, here's the thing about the Mega Aces. They're not a good tag team. They always lose. <laughs> yeah. Most... Any, anytime they tag together, it's to get other guys over. Like, they lose. Yeah. Um, and so, obviously, the whole purpose of this match was, we're going to talk about Royal Quest later, but this was to set up two Royal Quest matches. We've been seeing Tanahashi and Sabre kind of going back and forth, Tanahashi taunting that he's beaten Sabre like three times in a row their last uh, few singles matches and warning a, a title match. And then, um, you know, Suzuki, he's been angry that he wasn't in the G1, said he had a master plan this whole time. He'd been targeting Okada throughout the undercards, pins Okada here. Uh, Post match, get the him clean, clean. Yes, that's... with the Gotch style pile driver, which was awesome. And then it made you think, and should Suzuki really have been left out of the G one? Yeah, and bro, not only did he do the Gotch before the Gotch, he did a La Mystica into the sleeper to get to the Gotch. 
He's he's the best man. He's the king. He's the king. <laughs> he's the king. But yeah, post match he grabs a mic, you know, says, you know, how bad do you feel, Kyle, that you lost to someone who wasn't even the G one? Yeah. Uh, One thing I wanted to touch on, you mentioned that Tanahashi beat Zach in the last three matches in a row. I don't think that's true. Because remember, Zach beat him in MSG. Oh, sorry. He beat him in MSG, but then... They've had three matches, and... and uh, but didn't Saber, or Tanahashi beat him in the New Japan Cup? He beat him in the Cup, and then he beat him recently. Uh, no, I think the last match they had, he lost to him at, at MSG. Gotcha. Well, he beat him in the G1. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, he beat him in the G1. Wasn't there? A, there wasn't one before that. There was one before that, um, but I don't remember when. Gotcha. Well, New, so, New so at least twice remember. in a row he's beat him. I think. No, no, no. He lost. He lost that Rev Pro title match in in April. Gotcha. Yeah, and I've heard other people say he beat him three times in a row too. And I'm thinking, when did that happen, Zach? I saw this man get tapped out by Zach. Um, I don't know because Tanahashi was like doing like this one, two, three, like three times to him too. Maybe it's just that he's beaten him three times. Maybe an undercard stuff too. Maybe I, I think know. I think yeah. that's the other thing they might have been considering was undercards. That's the only thing. That's one thought that came to my mind because yeah. I'm like, what are they talking about? But anyways, but uh, yeah, this match was awesome and Suzuki ruled. Zach ruled. Everyone everyone ruled here. It was really great. Yeah, and great way to set up future matches between all four guys. We had some questions. Yes, so first question comes from Reddit user Jai Bryan. He says, seeing as how since 2012 the G1 winner has never came from the same block as a champion, do you see Okada dropping the title this fall? In 2014, Okada did win while being in the same block as then champion AJ Styles, but Styles dropped the belt with Tanahashi that fall, who's in a separate block from him and Okada. Uh, that That is possible. Um but again, Okada's the ace of the company, the top guy, and it's very clear right now he's the top guy. Like, I don't see anyone... I mean, they made it very clear in this G1 that how dominant he is as the champion. So, the only way I could see that happening is if there's a bigger money match on the table... For Ibushi. Okay. Kenny? <laughs> I, I thought about that today. <laughs> I was driving to work and I thought about that. I was like, okay, well, what if? Because who did who did Tana, or who did Okada lose to in this tournament? Sonata. Okay, so and Ibushi. Okay, right. And then he lost this match just here in this tag match to Suzuki. We know Suzuki's getting a future title match. We'll talk about it it's at Royal Quest. Obviously, you guys know. Um, you could do Sonata again. Like he has to have a King of Pro Wrestling person. Um. It's most likely Sonata, but I'm like, geez, again, because right. they've had three matches this year. I I did have the thought, I did have the thought that what if, what if Kenny Omega comes back and wins the IWGP title, <laughs> and Kenny versus Bushi? That would, I mean, it, it's bro, such, bro, it's such a long shot. But what if that's the plan? He was in Japan, and what if the whole idea is that because they already gave us the Okada. Abushi match. What if? What if they're? I mean, it's such a long shot, and there's probably people who are cringing at this because we know we know some of y'all some Kenny haters out there, but bro, they've always wanted that match would freak. Bro, sign me up, bro. Because then, then you you Kenny's the one guy who could believably probably defeat Okada. He's already done it before, Mm -hmm. and people. Would probably be somewhat upset, but at the same time, you're establishing 
the Kenny Abushi match for Wrestle Kingdom, the match that's been super protected. We haven't seen it in a year, and even before that, it was super protected. And then, what? Kenny comes in and does the job for Abushi. I mean... Dude, the story it's, writes itself. It writes itself, and that kind of would make sense in my mind. They're probably not doing this. They probably are not doing this. Right. But in case they do, you, you heard, heard it here first. first. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, next question from the Gargoyle Queen on Twitter. Before that, I just want to ask you, is there anyone else that you could realistically see Okada actually dropping the belt to between now and then? Honestly, I don't I don't that's why I had a hard time like thinking that he would lose a belt. Like I can't think of anybody that would beat him. The only scenario, and I don't think they'll do it, but the only scenario is like, well, what if they want to work Naito into the main event somehow? Or yeah. Something like that. Maybe John Moxley. That's another guy that maybe you could do, but uh yeah, I, that's about it. Uh so question from the Gargoyle Queen says, um, do you think Okada's red, white, and black shorts are his heel shorts? He wore them against Sonata and Ibushi, and he was quite mean during these matches. No, because he wore them during other matches, and he wasn't working as a heel. In fact, I see them as being like his white shorts and being like they're lighter. They look more like a fa- like face shorts. They don't look as like cocky and all that as his like purple, red, and gold and all that. That's my opinion anyways. Yeah, honestly, I really hadn't been paying attention to... He wore them against a lot of guys that he worked face against. Yeah. So, no, I don't... I I, I see what you're saying, but no. All right, so now it is time to talk about the G1 29 Finals match. The B-Block winner, Switchblade, Jay White, taking on the A-Block winner, the Golden Star, Kota Ibushi. And... Fantastic, bro! This fantastic match match was excellent from the opening bell. Having Jay White storm out to the ring with all of Bullet Club, including Kenta, and you know Red Shoes throwing all of them out, Red Shoes throwing Gato out, and just this whole dynamic. Jay White is so hated. He's such a great heel. The whole. That whole 12,000 Budokan Hall crowd was living and dying with every Kota Ibushi attack. Oh, man. This was um, – it's so funny because when Kota Ibushi won, that made me kind of nervous about the projections for what was possible on the final night. Because going into the final B-Block night, Goto was still alive. Moxley was still alive. Jay White was still alive and so was Naito. And it started to feel like maybe Jay White would be the guy. Once Jay White did win, we already talked about the Naito stuff, so I won't get on that. But I was dejected. I did not really want to see this match. Like, there's nothing about it. I was like, Abushi versus White? Come on, dog. Like, <laughs> Well, I was, I was like, man, Jay's going to win. Because why would they do Abushi Okada and then do it again the dome like what? bro i was i was scared about I that was like, too i was like jay's winning the winning the g1 i was and you know what's funny is like even though we didn't really give jay white a great chance to win this tournament i think last year we were like i could see it last year almost all throughout the whole calendar last year we were like next year might be jay's year yeah we we're like jay or naito one of those two guys but we kept saying jay's probably going to be in the finals um but bro they came out here and they put on what I don't know. I I'm I might not be in the there's probably people who disagree with me here, but I think that this was Kota Bushi's best match this year. 
And I think that this is the best match Jay White's career ever. Yeah. And I gave this match the full five stars, which I very rarely do. This was my match of the tournament. This match was a masterclass. I, I'm so surprised at how good the match was. I loved it. I love this match. Yeah, this dude, I was... This was the one match. I mean, other matches had me kind of jump up and down too. But this match, I was on pins and needles. Bro, was, we both were. I was not spoiled. I had no idea who was going to win. Same. I had to wait all day at work. That's all I was thinking about was the freaking G1 finals. As soon as I came home, fired that thing up. But yeah, dude, I was on the edge of the couch, jumping up and down. Every near fall, I bit. I was so invested in this match. Bro, I- the, the investment from us was basically this. We didn't want Dusty Ass Jay White to win the fucking G1. Come on, man. Like, no. I don't want Jay White to win the G1. And this guy was such a dick. He was a heel. He cheated his entire way. He freaking... He, bro, they they sacrificed Naito in the final night. Like, I was getting... You guys think I was mad about that mock stuff? That's nothing. Bro, this, this they freaking killed Naito. Are you kidding me? I was like, for Jay White? Come on, dog. And then I was like... All right, well, at that point, I was never like, Abushi has to win. But once it was Jay White, I was like, please, Abushi. Bro, Abushi wins or we riot. Like, I was going to freaking lose my mind. if and, <laughs> and, bro, they played us. Yeah, they, they did. They played us like a fiddle. This whole, bro, Gato is the this puppet master. freaking G1. He's we, the puppet master. He strung us all along. Bro, we, we never saw this coming. Like, no, bro. We are usually pretty accurate predictors on this show to some extent. We did not see this coming. And I didn't hear anyone predict this crap. Uh, all you who played our uh, Pick'em game, no one picked this. Actually, there were quite a few people that had Jay Wadabushi. Dang it. In their finals. All right, forget that. <laughs> but <laughs> It even, wasn't the most, but there were a, a lot more than I expected. Well, y'all smarter than me. Uh, <laughs> because I picked I picked uh, Tanahashi and Naito. <laughs> <laughs> but man, man, man. What uh let's talk about the match. How great was this freaking match? Bro, this match was incredible. I also went the full five on it. Dude, just from beginning to end, great story. Stacking the, the deck against Ibushi, you know. Um they had the the post match attack the previous night after Jay had won the B block on Ibushi's ankle. And 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 before that Jay had gotten in the ring and he was talking to Bushi, cutting an angle, and he was like, "Tomorrow night, you and me, mano a mano, no Gato, no nobody, just you and me." And when he said that, I kind of didn't like it because I was like, "That's some Kenny Omega bull crap." Like, it doesn't even make sense. Like, this is Jay White. Why would he do that? But then they attacked him, and I was like, "Oh, okay, here we go. I get it." And yeah, that, that vicious, vicious attack on on Abushi's ankle the night before, and I was like, "Okay, here we go." Yeah, and you know, of course, Jay not keeping to his word, like I mentioned earlier. Whole Bullet Club out there with Jay, but uh, Red Shoes wasn't going to have any of that. Immediately sent Bullet Club to the back, and Gato promised he would stay. If he stayed in the blue corner, that he should be able to stay. So Red Shoes was like, yeah, you got to stand Right there, and he was like hugging onto the blue, the blue corner pole. Like, that was hilarious. Dude, Gato was freaking cracking me. Gato up. was hilarious in this match. <laughs> He's like, I stay right here. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, he did. But, um, bro, the, the limb work, the limb work from Jay White. Like, okay, bro. we have – calling you out, Rich. We got friends, which anytime someone works a limb, they're like, oh, my God. Body part it's match. It's a body part match. But you know me. I'm a, I'm a 1980s wrestling fan, and I've seen some of the best, like, body part matches ever. And I know when it's done right, it's done right. And I was like, this is it being done right. This was Jay White working the crap out of Ibushi's ankle. And not right. only that, like – 
Oh, go ahead. I was like, you mentioned in the Osprey, um, what it was Osprey, Osprey uh, Tanahashi. Tanahashi, that you know, Osprey wasn't doing a full on job of selling the leg. Well, this match was the perfect example, I think, of how you sell the leg. Like, and it was like moves that don't even target the leg really were affecting his leg. Like, Jay did a snap suplex, yep, and Abushi would grab his ankle, yep, and Kevin Kelly on commentary, great. Oh, you know the. The way he landed on that suplex hurt his ankle. Yep. And there'd be moves like the suplex into the corner. He's like, you know, normally we'd be worried about the head and neck, but his ankle hit the head against the post. It's all of it, but you're absolutely right. He was selling the leg off that stuff, which is just so beautiful. The other thing, too, is like Jay did a fantastic job throughout this tournament to slowly start to bring back the leg work and start to reintroduce the TTO, that, that, that fear of the TTO. And he didn't like win too many matches with it but as the tournament's progressing you saw him start to really focus and target guys and on the flip side of that abushi had to deal with this ankle injury the whole tournament through which makes me kind of wonder how serious what we never did see whether that ankle that was swollen was really his or not right i ain't seen no pics since i that ain't first seen no pic. pictures since that first <laughs> night but anyways uh regardless after he viciously attacked Ibushi's ankle the night before, once he immediately targeted it, the first, like as soon as the match started, every little thing he did was... Bro, there was one point where he had him on the guardrail and he just pulled him back on yeah. the ankle. Bro, we see that spot a million times. It doesn't mean like crap to me. Bro, I was living and dying. I was like, oh no. <laughs> bro, Like he was killing Ibushi's ankle. And bro, for anyone who doesn't like Jay White, like... Watch this match because this is a guy who makes little things. We said it last week. He's a guy who make, who's so good at the little things. Bro, him and Abushi went out there and had a freaking banger. And then Abushi having to overcome those odds and obstacles and turn into Murder Coda. Yeah. And start, bro, he was slapping the crap yes, bro. out of Jay White. And you know, uh, the beginning of the match, Gato did get busted grabbing Abushi's ankle. Um, so Red Shoes uh, tossed Gato out there. So for a little bit, it was kind of one-on-one, Mabushi um, and Jay White. Uh, Remember when he said to uh, Red Shoes, he's like, you've done quite enough. Right, yeah, When because Red Shoes was trying to stop him from doing the ankle thing on the guardrail. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, you've, you've done enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But then um, eventually, Mabushi's um, um, going for the lawn dart. Yeah, but then the ref gets bumped, and then uh, Jay hits a low blow, and then out comes Gato. Jeez, with that you know that crap eating grin on his boy, face. Boy, oh boy, yeah, bro, it was hilarious. It's the, it's the smile he had. Yeah, it's the way he was walking down the ring, and of course, um, getting involved again. And uh, I think he tried to punch him with the uh, with the brass knuckles. Well, he well, he brought a chair in at first. Yeah, and then um, White chop blocked Ibushi, and then he oh, pil- yeah. he pilmanized. The leg, um, and then White fall with a dragon screw, and then he had him in the TTO, and then Gato rolled the ref back in to get the, try to get the submission, and then Gato hid after that for a while, so the Retchies wouldn't see him. Because I remember a point where he came in with the brass knuckles and got head kicked by Ibushi. Did yeah. I imagine that, or that happened, uh, right? So yeah, that came later on, so after Ibushi escapes, the... Uh, it did happen, though. Yeah, so... He's going for, eventually went for a Bumaye, um, Jay collapsed to avoid it. We need to talk about that. So him collapsing, bro, that's... So he's done this before, but in this match, it meant more because that's the Kenny Omega famous spot from the Okada matches where, like, the exhaustion hits him and 
and Okada can't hit him with the Rainmaker because he he falls down from exhaustion. Jay did that, but then Jay looks over and he's grinning, and Abushi's trying to lift him up, and he's just you know sandbagging on mm-hmm. him and going dead weight and just laughing. And I'm like, this mother effer, this <laughs> freaking heel. And bro, the heat, the heat in that place. Every single man, woman, and child in that entire arena. They had nothing but hatred. Right. For there Jay was White. not one fan who wanted Jay White to uh, win this match. And, and we're so used to these epic G1 finales with favorites, you know, guys on this side, like a soccer match. Dueling chance. Nope. Nope. Not this night. This was classic good guy versus bad guy, Rudo versus Technico, heel versus babyface. This was, this was awesome. Yeah, so it was after that spot where Gato tried to come in and attack Abushi, um, but then uh, so Gato distract. He takes Abushi. Abushi takes out Gato, but that distraction allowed White to hit a sleeper suplex. But then Abushi popped up and hit him with a bomaye, um, and that's when um, Red Shoes called Romero to take uh, take Gato out. Yep. And then do the the closing stretch. Well, even before that, one thing I want to touch on. Yeah. There were moments where Kota Abushi. Even though his ankle was hurt, he had to like outsmart Jay White, which is very hard to do. Mm-hmm. And Jay would come in with these slick maneuvers. There's one moment specifically where I remember he tried to chop block Kota Ibushi. And Ibushi jumped up and did the double stomp on the small of his back. And then he sold his own leg off of it. And I was like, this is, bro, oh right. my God. And like you mentioned, there was even moves where like he did like a one-legged um, moonsault at one point. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, and there's other, other ways he was trying to show that he was selling the leg um, while doing some of his moves, um, also great counters. You know, at one point uh, Jay was going for the Kiwi Crusher and Abushi uh, um, re- uh, reversed it into the Bastard Driver. Is that what that's called? Yeah, yeah. When he hit that, I was so happy because up to that point he'd been taking most of the uh, the uh, the offense, and I was like, God, like come on, Abushi, like bro, I was living and breathing, I was dying with Abushi, like mm-hmm. I wanted this guy to win so bad. And then um, doing a one legged Pele to reverse the sleeper suplex. I loved that. He did the deadlift German. Uh, for a near fall, that was great. Yep. Um, yeah, man. Then just the, the closing stretch of the match, that 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 counter sequence when they're just like countering all their moves, like countering the Blade Runner, countering the the Kamigoye. Um So then it came down. White uh, countered the Kamigoye into the Blade Runner, um, and then he uh, pulled Abushi up. Looking, he was gonna go for another one, dude. When he hit that Blade Runner, bro. When he hit the Blade Runner, out, bro. We were both so scared. I was like, oh, I was like, that's it. I was like, oh no. But then he took a while to cover. I thought he was gonna kick out. Mm-hmm. I thought he was gonna be the first guy to kick out, but mm-hmm. he didn't. He didn't get a chance to cover him. Yeah. So then he pulls him up um, after that Blade Runner, and it looks like he's going for another one. But then Ibushi headbutts him, does a straight jacket German. Um, then white counters into two sleeper suplexes, and then that bright the uh, cross armed um, so scary bloody Sunday. But then Abushi counters the Blade Runner into a Kamagoye, uh, two V triggers, and then a Kamagoye. But then Jay White kicked out. Yep, that was scary. Bro, I was, oh, <laughs> Jay's gonna win. <laughs> Jay's gonna win. And then one more Kamagoye, bam, bro. One, I, I, I was two, running around three, the house, bro. bro. Yes, I was running around the house, bro. You know, you can you can talk about the technical side of a match and and the moves and the spots and all that, but if you can get me off the couch, if you can get me invested, if you can get me to react emotionally, 
And it's not so hard when it's a G1 final. Obviously, the big stage plays a big role into it. But, like, that plus, like, as much as we like Jay White, as much as we praise him, I did not want to see him and Okada at freak at, at the Tokyo Dome. Get the hell out of here. Heck no. I At that point, I needed Ibushi to win. Like, I needed this, and he delivered, and, bro, this freaking this freaking ruled. Yeah, this this was great. Uh, love this match. Uh, we got some questions here. First from Reddit user Jai Bryan. Uh, the G1 runner-up is always in a title match at Wrestle Kingdom. Who do you see Jay White facing, and for what title? If you look at previous booking, it will be someone he didn't face in the G1. I know. I know. And that's one of the things that, like, I don't know because they did do a big, like, a great job reestablishing uh, Jay in this tournament. Um, bro, I've got no clue. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's I mean, not gonna be Moxley. It's not gonna be Naito. It's yeah. not gonna be Juice. Unless again, they've been throwing the booking out the window yeah, yeah, with, yeah. with the yeah. with the pattern. So maybe Jay is not gonna face a title holder. I don't know. Who could he? Who could it be? <laughs> uh, yeah, I. Obviously, they're, they're gonna do the Naito match at some point, but uh, could it be for that? Yeah, I'm like, well, yeah, they could do Naito and him. Yeah, they could. So, yeah. I don't know, man. I mean, he definitely stole Naito's dream. Yeah. So there's a story there. I don't know. That if, Gun to my head, that's what I would say it is. Yeah. But I don't know. Uh, next question from uh, our boy, Joel, who actually just welcomed a baby girl into oh, this congrats, world. Beautiful man. baby girl. Congrats, bro. Uh, he says, do you think the Wrestle Kingdom title match uh, will be what we think it is as of today? For right now, I'm going to say yes. Yeah, I, I think Okada Ibushi is the match. Yep, I think that that's going to draw. I think that that's what they're doing. And like we mentioned, I think there's a better match in them. So Unless, I don't know, Jericho shows up and does something crazy. I don't know, man. Like, yeah. who knows? But yeah, I think so. Uh, Howard Schilling um, pretty much asked the same question. Do we think the Russell Kingdom main event will hold true? If not, does Okada lose a belt or does Ibushi lose a shot? Abushi should not lose the shot. That would be a terrible, terrible decision. Right. And considering he's defending the shot against Evil and Kenta, I don't see him losing to either of those guys on the way to the Dome. It's more likely Okada loses, and I really don't see that either. I think that that's the match they're doing. Yeah. Uh, next question from Reddit user uh, Tiny Sausage Factory. Yes. Is Jay White the best heel in the world right now? Uh, Yeah, he might be. Can you think of anyone that you think is a better heel? Right now? No, I mean, when healthy, you could have argued Tommaso Ciampa. Uh, there was a point where Cody was, but he's not anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sure as hell isn't Matt Taven. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. Uh, man's killing the town. That's for sure. Killing My the promotion. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I'm, who's in WWE? That's a good heel. I mean, uh, Brock Lesnar. See the top heel. I guess so. Daniel Bryan. Yeah, Daniel Bryan's a pretty good heel, but uh, Jay White's the best heel in, in pro wrestling right now. Yeah. Uh, and last question from this section comes from again Ricky. He says, "Did the right person win the G one?" I'm going to say yes. 
based on the stories that they were set up throughout the tournament. That's pretty much what I'm gonna say, yeah. And hey, Abushi's a guy that I'm sure they've been wanting to push for a long time, but he wouldn't sign the contract. He signed the contract. You know, he he doesn't have a healthy neck. You know, he has neck issues. He's not that young. Like, you got to strike while the iron's hot. So, here's what I'll say. I still think that I would have loved to have seen Naito win it based on the stories. But based on the booking, what Knight, what Gato laid out, this was, in my opinion, the best booked G1 that I've ever seen. There were things that I'm questionable on. There's no such thing as a perfect tournament. But for the ride that he took us on, the intrigue, the drama, the great work, the matches they gave us, given all that context, in this scenario, yeah, Abushi's the guy that that, that should have won. Um, I would have to say yes. All right. So now, uh, before we do our grading and giving our top 10 matches, we've got to announce the contest winner. So the winner of the Keeping It Strong Style G129 prediction contest is Reddit user, why did you do that, bro? Bro, why did you do that? Why did you <laughs> upset all these people for the freaking Neo Geo and the... You get the Neo Geo Mini, you get a Keeping It Strong Style t-shirt, so why did you do that, bro? Hit me up in the uh, Reddit DMs, we'll get your uh, I'll get your contact info, get your prizes to you. You gotta pay for shipping, though. On, on the shirt, um, <laughs> we'll, we'll cover the, sh- the shipping on the uh, Neo Geo. Uh, and you get to guest spot. That's right, yeah. You get a guest spot. A guest spot. You get a guest Any spot. Any episode you want. So, yeah, let me know which episode you want to guest on, and we'll get that all set up. I think it up. should be Road to uh, Destruction Tour. <laughs> <laughs> Road to Tokyo Dome. <laughs> <laughs> World, um, Ta- World Tag Leagues, nights 7 through 11. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh all right. God. So, now. Wait, wait, wait. How, how far was I? Uh, I, I think I did really well, right? You did pretty good, but having Naito and Tanahashi killed you like it killed me. I mean, we we, we both ended like in that fifth, like upper fifty point range. Um, why did you do that, bro? Almost at seventy points. Oh God, holy crap, <laughs> bro! Why did you do that, bro? Skato. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're gonna find out. Like Gato literally has been listening to the show, and he, he's gonna come on, and he's gonna be like, "For real." For- why did you do that, bro? Uh, oh, my God. Uh, so, yeah, man. Congrats to you. So, now we're going to do the grading, but we're going to do it a little bit differently. So, we had a question from uh, our buddy Dan Kaufman. He said, can you please rank all the G1 competitors like stocks, buy, sell, or hold, based on their previous thing before the tournament in comparison to where you see them now based on their G1 performances? I'm buying all the Shingo and Osprey stock. Well, Dan, I love I love this. So I love yeah, this, so, so we're ins- definitely doing this. And so instead of the traditional grading system, which we were originally going to do, we're going to do um, Dan's uh, stock method here. We're going to talk buy, sell, or hold. So we'll start with the A block. We'll start from the top, work our way down to the bottom. So the tournament winner and A block winner, Kota Ibushi. Buy. Yep, buy and stock on that. Uh, the current IWGP champion, also with seven two, Kazuchika Okada. I would say bye. Yep, bye as well. Um, King of Darkness, Evil. 
I would say hold. Yeah, I would say hold as well. If we're basing it on stock, based on the idea of like, you know, um, you know, actually, I might sell on evil. Really? Mm. Well, I mean, the whole idea with stock is you buy. Oh, I don't like this, actually, now that I think about it. Because you buy when it's at its lowest, and you mm-hmm. think that it's going up. You, And you sell when you think that, it, that you're not going to get any more returns on it. Right. If, I, if it was me right now, I would sell on evil. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I like buy, buy, sell, and hold. I don't know if I like this. Now I'm thinking about it, because now I'm, I'm thinking about their trajectories in a different light. Damn mm-hmm. you, Dan. So do you want to continue with the stock, or you want to go back to the grades? We're we're fine. Okay, let's just say hold. We'll okay. Hold. Uh, Will Osprey. Bye. Bye. Uh, Kenta. I I think I would buy. I would buy. Uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi. I would sell. I think I, I would hold. God, actually, I hate this segment. I hate this. I hate this. All right, do you you want to scrap it and go with the grades? Yeah, because because now I'm thinking about it logically. I'm like, this doesn't make sense because you buy stock when it's lower so that you can gain returns on it, and you sell when you've reached your your max on it, and you're trying to you know basically project that you're gonna like lose on it if you continue Mm -hmm. to hold on it you know what i'm saying all right so okay back to great so we'll back to the top kota this is too hard this is too hard for me (laughs) kota abushi um i'm going a plus i would go a plus with kota abushi this makes so much more sense (laughs) in my mind kazushika okada i'm also going a plus a plus absolutely evil i'm going flat b i agree flat b will osprey i'm going a plus I would too. Actually, you know what? Scrap that. Okada, I'm going just A. Okay. I would go just A on Okada. Uh, Kenta, I'm going flat B. I would go B minus. Okay. Uh, Tanahashi, I'm going B plus. I agree. B plus. Uh, Balak Fale, I'm going C minus. Same. Uh, Sonata, B plus. Yep. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr., flat B. Same. And Lance Archer, A. Plus. I would go A plus on Lance <laughs> Archer. My God. And then on to the B block. Switchblade J White. I'm going uh, B. I yeah. think actually B plus. I would go flat B. B actually, yeah, yeah, I'd go flat I'll B. I'll stick to my grade. Yeah, flat B. I was thinking about the final match, but yeah, overall flat B. Uh, John Moxley. I'm going uh, flat A. I would go A minus. Okay. Tetsuya Naito. I'm going flat C. I would go C plus. Okay. Uh, Hiroki Goto, I went C+. Plus. I would go flat C on Goto. Well, you know what? Goto had a pretty good tournament. Yeah. I'd go B-. minus. Okay. Uh, Taichi, I went C+. Plus. B-. Minus. Mm. Uh, Tomohiro Ishii, A+. Plus. A+. Plus. Juice Robinson, B+. Plus. Yeah, I agree. Jeff Cobb, I went flat C. C-. Minus. Mm. Toroyano, I went C+. Plus. A. 
No, I'm just <laughs> playing. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 I'd go C+. It's fine. And then last but not least, the Dragon Shingo Takagi. I'm going flat A. Flat A. Okay, so before we talk about MVPs, A block MVP, who's your MVP of the entire A block? My MVP of the A block would have to be the aerial assassin Will Ospreay. Over Kotobushi. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. But I like obviously he won the whole tournament. The finals was was epic. But if you're comprehensively looking at the whole tournament, night after night after night, night after night, I think it's Will Ospreay. Every match was pretty much above four stars, for the exception of the Fale match. match. And Will Ospreay gave most people their best match. I agree. And then in the B block, it's obviously Tomohiro Ishii. So who is our MVP of the entire tournament? Overall MVP of the whole tournament, the Stone Pitbull, Tomohiro Ishii. This guy, pretty much every match above four stars, gave everybody their best match in the tournament. This guy was just great, man. Is Ishii the best wrestler in the world right now? There's a great argument for it. We say that every year. <laughs> I've been saying it every year for like, what, eight years now? It's yeah. Crazy. Uh, so now we're getting into the top ten matches. But first, a question from Reddit user Zach Saber Time. He says, now the G1 is finally over. What was your favorite match? So far, everyone I've asked has had different answers. Mine has been Osprey versus Tanahashi. Also, Jeremy, are you ready for the five-star Grand Prix? Otami versus Kayona. About to get my seven and a quarter stars soon. Whoa, 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 Zack Saber time. I watch uh, Stardom as well. I'm ready for the She One. <laughs> Honestly, I, I, I don't. That's a lie. <laughs> I've been so behind on Stardom in the last month. I I have no. I mean, I've kind of know what's going on with James. They've been doing Stardom on One Nation Radio, kind of keeping us updated. Uh, I haven't watched anything in a while, so. I don't even know if I'll, I'll... I'm sure I'll kind of cherry-pick the five-star Grand Prix. I'm not sure if I'll watch the whole thing. We'll see. But as far as our favorite matches, so we'll get into that with our top ten lists. Do you want to start from one down, or should we go ten up to one? Let's start with ten, but before we do that, I want everyone to know, guys, there is a lot of matches in the four-and-a-half-star range. A lot. So you're, this is our top ten. We whittled it down to the top ten. There are going to be matches... That you probably think should be in the top 10. And there's probably a good argument for that. But it's really hard when you have that many great bangers in this tournament to whittle it down to 10. So anyone who hears this list, go easy on us. Because <laughs> uh, this was really hard. But yeah, these are our top 10. So coming in at number 10, Kazuchika Okada versus Hiroshi Tanahashi from night one in Dallas. Four and a half stars. Night... Uh, Number nine, Shingo Takagi versus Tetsuya Naito, night 14, four and a half stars. Number eight, Kota Ibushi versus Hiroshi Tanahashi, night 13, four and a half stars. Night seven, Tomohiro Ishii versus Juice Robinson from night 10, four and three quarters. Uh, number six, Tomohiro Ishii versus John Moxley from night six, 4.75. Uh, number five, Kota Ibushi versus Kazushika Okada, night 17. The A block final, four and three quarters. Number four, Will Ospreay versus Kazushika Okada from night seven, four and three quarters. Number three, Tomohiro Ishii versus Shingo Takagi from night 16, four and three quarters. And then our number two match of the tournament, Will Ospreay versus Kota Ibushi from night five, five stars. And finally, 
in first place, the number one match of, of the G1 Climax 29, Jay White versus Kotobushi, night 19, the G1 Climax Finals. Second year in a row that the G1 Climax Finals has been the best match of the entire tournament. Go figure. Um, just so everyone knows, these are Jeremy Star ratings, not Josh's. <laughs> but yeah, that what a freaking list. Yeah. So, what a freaking list, bro. Yeah, so um, Zack Sabre time. Jay White and Kota Ibushi was my overall favorite match of the tournament. That's my favorite match of the tournament, too. Although, I'm really, really high on Ishii and Juice Robinson. And for some weird reason, I'm really high on Archer and Ibushi. Also, <laughs> um, Ishii and Shingo. I gotta see it. I gotta you, you see it. You gotta it. watch that match, man. I'm pretty much, I agreed to this top 10 list based off of, you know, not just Jeremy's opinions, but also just general consensus and everyone saying it's a banger, so. Right, and I've kind of looked at, you know, Grapple's kind of put out his top 10, and I've kind of looked at some other people, what they've been saying, and I feel like majority of the matches that I've had kind of lines up with majority. I yeah, think yeah, the, we get it. You're an accurate star reader. <laughs> the one glaring omission from my list that was on a, most other people's list was um, Okada and Sonata. A lot of people had I that. I, I wasn't as high on Okada and Sonata as Same other here. A lot of people had it four and a half. And it's a great match. So, yeah, I went four and a quarter on it. Great match. But, um, yeah. Yeah. So, you ready to get in the news? Yeah. Thank you guys for l- listening to us, sticking through with us. This has been the highest and most downloaded and listened to period of keeping it strong styles history. I only see positive things going forward, but man, we've had so many, so, so many awesome interactions with you guys. And like, we really, really appreciate you guys listening and all your support. Yes. Thank you guys so much. I mean, we, this show is nothing without you. So, uh, in the new, in the news. So, uh, the attendance three thirty one thousand four hundred and forty. Um, that's for the last. That's uh, what for the last. The last three Budokan shows. Okay, the last three Budokan shows combined. Um, that's one thousand one hundred twenty-five uh, attendees up from uh, the last three days total at Budokan from last year. Um, the big difference here is that they ran these shows on Saturday, Sunday, and then a holiday Monday this year versus last year, which was. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, which that's still a pretty significant boost. Yeah, and I didn't put the A block and B block numbers in here, but the A block was up, I believe it was about 3,500 com- compared to last year, over 9,000. That's crazy. Like, the A block always vastly underperforms to the B block in the finals night, mm-hmm. and the fact that that many people attended on the A block finals, like, that's crazy. And then... um the B block finals um, was in the, they were down a little bit. They were down, but it still drew more than the A block finals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it, and it always will. So that's not really a shock, right? But I mean, that's yeah. It was down a little, little, little bit. And then the overall final attendance for the final night it was twelve thousand and fourteen fans, which was down from last year's twelve thousand one twelve. But the reason it was down was because of it was confirmed because of production. With the stage being bigger. Didn't I say that that's where it might be? I said that. I was was like, that stage is bigger. That might be why. So it was a legit sellout again. So it wasn't the Naito fans. So with the the um, bigger stage, um, a few few hundred less fans could fit in there. So So, uh, Kotobushi did a press conference. What was that earlier today? Um, Yeah, I believe it was today. Day, was it today? So yeah, it was posted on August 13th. It's up on NJPW 1972. 
Facebook.com. You can go ahead and check it out. A lot of interesting comments in there. Um, one of the most interesting, like we mentioned earlier, like I mentioned earlier, he said he wants to defend the briefcase against Evil and Kenta. Also, he said that he plans on challenging for the IWGP title on January 4th in the main event on night one. But then he also said that he wants to um, challenge for the Intercontinental title on the second night because he still loves the white belt. Oh, that's very interesting. That's very, very, very interesting. Um, yeah, so definitely check that out, njpw1972.com. Um, the big news coming out of the last few days, the Super J Cup brackets and the full lineup has been revealed. Yep, so on the left side of the bracket... We and, and I just want to say, I called this. <laughs> uh, on the left side of the bracket, uh, we have Will Ospreay taking on the amazing red in what should be an epic dream match. We have Show versus Taiji Ishimori. We have Clark Connors from the LA Jojo taking on TJP, who was an original LA Dojo guy. We have Robbie Eagles and El Fantasmo in a big first round match. Then moving on to the right side of the bracket, we have Risuke Taguchi against Jonathan Gresham. Yo versus Dragon Lee. Caristico versus Bushi. And Rocky Romero versus Soborano Jr. That's a that's a pretty cool lineup. Yeah, and I know Zach. He asked us <laughs> which first round matches are we both looking forward to seeing, other than um, Bill slash Amazing Red. Which potential matches would you like to see? I feel like we should hold Call, off. He calls him Bill. Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> I feel like we should hold off on all Super J Cup predictions and previews for next week. Um, so we'll hold on to that question for next week. They did announce a Super J Cup meet and greet, which will be taking place uh, before um, the first few nights. And I believe the tickets, uh, have they gone on sale yet for that? I don't think they've gone on sale, but they have announced uh, the people who would be at them. So in Tacoma, August 22nd, you'll have the chance to meet Robbie Eagles and Dragon Lee. Uh, the 24th in San Francisco, you have the chance to meet Juice Robinson, Will Ospreay, and Risuke Taguchi. And then on uh, the last night, August 25th, looks like you get Bushi, Rapungi 3K, Tetsuya Naito, TJP, and the Amazing Red. By the way, Amazing Red in, in his uh, New Japan profile pick, he's looking jacked. Yeah, he's looking great. Did uh, you also notice that Doki's gone? Yes, Doki's profile. <laughs> his profile has down. been removed, yeah. Oh my god. Uh, so tickets go on sale Thursday, August 15th, noon Pacific time. That's great. Yep. So we're looking forward to that. Um, in other news, the Royal Quest full card has been revealed. Um, some interesting news about uh, this show. It will be airing live on Fight TV, but it's going to be on video on demand three days later on NJPW World. So Fight TV is paying for the production and the setup of this event, which um, is kind of shocking. It's like... Uh, where you have to pay for this now? Yeah, so it's pretty much it's the same deal as Southern Showdown. Uh, Southern Showdown was the production, and everything was paid mostly by Fight. Fight got the rights, and then went up on New Japan World three days later. Um, so same thing's happening here. It's going to be twenty four ninety nine on Fight. Oh, so, God. So if you want to watch it day of, it's airing 1230. If you want to watch it day of, you have to drop the 24. If not, you have to wait. I mean, I'm probably going to drop the 24. All right, it looks like we're having a New Japan watch party, and y'all can throw in. Right, I mean, I was already planning on you know because it's gonna be Royal Quest all out that day. This this card is awesome though, like it's really awesome. So I, I'm I feel better about paying for it than I did the uh, Super Showdown. 
Yep, so we, we have uh, Narita Umino Taguchi against Shoyo and Rocky Romero. Juice and Ibushi versus Hikaleo and Yujiro Takahashi. Robbie Eagles and Will Ospreay taking on El Fantasmo and Taiji Ishimori. Non-title match. Uh, we have Sonata and Naito versus Chase Owens and Jay White. Then we have the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Champions on the line. Girls of Destiny will defend against the winner of the Rev Pro um, Tag Team Tournament. Hopefully it's going to be uh, Friends of the Network Aussie Open. Yeah, that would be great. And then in the sixth match, we have the Never Open Weight Championship match. Tomohiro Ishii defends against Bullet Club's Kenta. Banger. Then, that's going to be a banger. That's going to be great. Um, then the seventh match, we have the British Heavyweight Championship on the line. Zack Sabre Jr. defends against Hiroshi Tanahashi. And then the main event of the evening, the IWGP Heavyweight Championship match, Kazuchika Okada in his third defense against the King, Minoru Suzuki. Man, awesome, awesome card. And we're going to give you guys full coverage and predictions, previews on that here in the next few weeks for sure. Um, to close out the news here, um, so December trial applications are now open for well, – this is what, for the LA Dojo? This is for uh, Tokyo Dojo. Tokyo Dojo. Yeah, so it says in December, New Japan Pro Wrestling will be holding its annual do- dojo trial test in Tokyo. So if you have what it takes, you can be part of the next generation of Young Lions. Also, the free match of the week is the finals from the first ever Super J Cup when Wild Pegasus, those of you who don't know, you know who Wild Pegasus is. But Wild Pegasus uh, took on the great Sasuke in what was literally for many, many, many years, people, considered the best match ever in New Japan Pro Wrestling history. I think those days are long past. But I mean, I mean, even up until like about seven, six or seven years ago, you ask almost any Pro Rezu fan what the best New Japan match ever was, they would have told you this match. If you've never seen it, it is on NJPW. Uh, it, it is on NJPW World. Go out of your way and watch Wild Pegasus versus Great Sasuke. It's the free match of the week. Not only that, get your hands on this freaking original Super J Cup from '94 and watch it. It's the maybe one of the greatest tournaments of right. all time. Great way to get you hyped up for this year's Super J Cup. Yep. And uh, some other news that I just read for the first time, and it's blowing my mind. Defy Wrestling was able to get Jushin Thunder Liger in the ring. With Brian Pillman Jr. before Liger retires for the Defy show on August 23rd, it is going to be featuring New Japan talent Liger, Carl Fredericks, Clark Connors. They'll be facing Pillman and the Defy tag team champions, the American Guns. Uh, yeah, bro, sign me up. Yes. Yeah. yeah Dude, I'm that's excited. awesome that they were, Defy was able to get that done. And my recommended match of the week this week is the UWFI rules match from Wrestle Kingdom 9. As the king, Minoru Suzuki, takes on the greatest Japanese MMA fighter of all time, Kazushi... Oh my god, what's wrong with me? Yeah, Kazushi Sakuraba. Am I saying that right? I've had such a long day, like, what the heck is wrong with me? Bro. I know the name Sakuraba, I didn't know what his first name was. Why do I, like, forget name... Yeah, Kazushi Sakuraba, what's wrong with me? Like, I started double-guessing myself. Like, I've had... Literally, I've had such a long day... This day's been crazy. Uh, guys, and it sucks too because Kazushi Sakuraba is like my favorite pride fighter ever. Like of all time. I've seen every single fight he's ever had. Um, this match, 
I wanted to recommend it because there's many of you who have seen it. If you came in with the the original wave of you know Western fans during that initial uh, Wrestle Kingdom Nine show, um, Jeremy, I'm pretty sure you've seen this match, right? Yeah, because that was the Jeff was that the Jeff Jarrett show. Yeah, yeah, Jeff Jarrett yeah, show. yeah, yeah. Um, it's one of my favorite. It's it's a very underrated gem. Uh, at the time, people loved it. I, I feel like people don't talk about it as much anymore. Um, but I wanted to bring it up, obviously, because the uh, current resurgence that we're about to see of the great Minoru Suzuki. Guys, if you've never seen this match, it is freaking violent. It is freaking awesome. And it's two of the greatest legends of MMA and shoot pro wrestling and Japanese pro wrestling just in general. In a dream matchup in the Tokyo Dome, you get to see uh, freaking... Um, Minoru Suzuki in the white gear. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you got to see this match to see what I'm talking about because that's vintage uh, Minoru Suzuki. I love this match. This is getting like go watch this. It'll get you so hyped for for the upcoming um, Royal Quest. And yeah, that's my recommended match of the week: uh, Sakuraba versus Minoru Suzuki. Boom! Check it out. Well, that's going to wrap things up. Oh, my God. The G1's over, bro. We, fr- <laughs> we freaking did it. We did it. it. Uh, oh. Next week, we'll be back with the Super J Cup preview and predictions. Uh, make sure you connect with us on social media. On Twitter, I am at Jeremy L. Donovan. The show is at KI Strong Style. You can also follow us at Social Suplex. On Facebook, we are Facebook.com slash Social Suplex. You can also find us in the Wrestling Square Circle group, Facebook.com. Slash group slash wrestling square circle on Reddit. I am the pro black guy. Josh is keeping it strong style. You can email me, Jeremy at socialsuplex.com. Make sure you check out all the other shows on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. On Sundays, we have One Nation Radio, hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd. On Wednesdays, we have the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show from Scotland. Every other Wednesdays, we have our podcast dedicated to independent wrestling. Grown Men Watch This Shit, hosted by Jeremy Tate and Chris Bryan. On Fridays, we have Get in the Ring with Danny and Beast Mike. And on Saturdays, we have All Things Elite with Floyd Johnson Jr. and Amy O. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating, and review. And we will catch you next week on Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Golden Star. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time.